gentlemen welcome to no budget nightmares this is mo he's a bad film hating while i skating all the while masturbating that's, that's mo porn yeah. yeah and with me as always is the one and only doug tilly he's bow, doug bow, tilly bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy bow, bow, bow. hi mo boo yes yeah <laughs> boo yes indeed mo it's another episode of no budget nightmares the podcast that you and i host yes <laughs> Mo, it's funny because right before this episode began, I didn't feel like you were so optimistic, Optimistic, but now you have that force behind that yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very optimistic. It's a, it's, you know? it's a very Brian Danielson-esque yes that's, that's coming up. <laughs> Oh, uh, see, I was uh, see, I oh, okay. From now on, I'll I'll go with the more Ed McMahon. You are correct. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes, Mo, <laughs> we are back again on the uh, No Budget Nightmares podcast, and uh, so much has happened since the last time uh, that you and I recorded. Though I have to be honest, I don't remember any of it. It's just been a big blur. It has been a huge blur. I mean, it's been a. a... I feel like it's been a, a, a like a, like an extended period since the last time. A we little did bit, that. a little bit. So, uh, yeah. in fact, the last episode of which I can't remember what it was. Do you recall offhand? Oh fuck me! Um, this seems no. like something we should be able to remember. It's not like it was a fucking year ago. It was just a couple of weeks. Not to mention we talked about it for like two goddamn hours. So you think we'd be able to pull it out of our goddamn brains? It, you it, think so? We had the killer clowns from Kansas on crack. Was that the last one? No, I don't believe so. Oh, okay. <laughs> this this is ridiculous. Oh yeah, we did haunted Ween <laughs> because it was Halloween. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So that would that mean that was that was a while ago. Halloween has come and gone, and we have moved on to an entirely different subject for this right. episode of the show. Before yeah, we get Thanksgiving. Oh wait, <laughs> that's right. The thank <laughs> Thanksgiving. We could do Thanksgiving at some point, but we're not doing Thanksgiving today. I, I, yeah, I don't think we should at all, but okay. <laughs> there is a little bit of housekeeping to do, I guess. Isn't there, Mo? Is there? <laughs> I don't know. Is there? I, I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like putting yeah, you on... You're so ill-prepared. <laughs> no, 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 no. There really is no housekeeping. No one has emailed to tell me that my laugh makes them want to fucking destroy <laughs> their goddamn eardrums or anything like that. Everyone's been very nice. Everyone's been very complimentary. Uh, I would recommend. I think there are. A, a, you can actually purchase a digital version of the J.R. Bookwalter Revise Ultimate Edition of The Dead Next Door, uh, right. which I would recommend that you guys go out and do that because if you do, you'll actually have one of those discs with the, or I don't know how it works in the digital edition, but one of the, the, the uh, versions of the movie has a commentary from Mo and myself on it. Uh, yeah. Which is super exciting. We actually haven't uh, haven't seen it in a physical form yet, but I'm very very excited to do that. That's going to be my little Christmas present. 
I haven't even, yeah, I was going to say, I haven't even, like, heard, or I don't know if you have or not, but, like, I haven't even heard, like, what he's done with that commentary. Because <laughs> they had to do some editing to make it sort of fit with the film, and I I have no idea what they even did. I mean, good on J.R. Bookwalter. I mean, again, it's, it's super exciting. I mean, it really, for oh, yeah, us, yeah, it's absolutely. a huge deal. And, and uh, I you know, I, I my wife saw me looking... Uh, I mean, it's no light of blood, but I mean, <laughs> what is? But, but I mean, whoever's listening right now has to understand that JR actually retrofitted our episode into yeah. a commentary for the movie. So I, I don't know exactly how that works. I sent him the original versions of both of our audio in order to clean it up the best that he could. I don't know how that's going to sound. I w- I, I, I'm a little concerned. In fact, uh, I did present to Mo the idea of maybe recording a whole new commentary, but if I recall correctly, you responded, ah! <laughs> <laughs> My response was, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was just like, you know, this is a, probably an opportunity for us to reach our biggest audience ever. So, <laughs> nah, whatever. Who gives a shit? That's uh, that's my typical response. It's true. It would have been a lot more work. It would have been a ridiculous amount of work. We barely like, we barely I, get these fucking episodes done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's it, like half the time when we're doing this show, I'm like trudging through, just like you know, I feel like a, like a like a soldier on like the fucking Normandy beach, you know, <laughs> trying to like fight my way up, and just bullets flying by me. Uh, I have had people uh, via Twitter say that they they have the digital edition and are very curious about the commentary haven't gotten any significant feedback yet but it is coming i'm sure people should go back through all of our episodes and try to guess which ones have been recorded right after mo wakes up as opposed to (laughs) 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 as opposed to right before he goes to sleep (laughs) it probably fits into one category or the other (laughs) yeah well this one is uh this one's a little bit more on that weird limbo uh place because i woke up like an hour and a half ago so like i didn't just wake up and i don't need to go back to sleep and you know like you can tell because i'm not like i'm not like super tired or ultra miserable so (laughs) you know this is mo at his peak energy i will say that uh i would recommend I gotta go all night now. <laughs> I would recommend that people do go over to our uh, No Budget Nightmares Facebook group because uh, there is a lot of great information, a lot of great posts from people, people sometimes involved with the movies that we're discussing, including oh, oh. the one we're discussing on this episode, <laughs> which may not be in our favor once we're complete. <laughs> uh-huh. But also, uh, you know, JR actually posts over there. He uh, gave us a little inside information on a classic No Budget Nightmares episode, Redneck County Fever. Just yeah, a couple of days was, ago. That was really uh, useful information and kind of cool. Yeah. See? So sometimes you can throw those questions out into the ether. And the ether. And I'm, not, and I'm not even going to say what it is because I want people to go to the group and look for themselves. Go to the group. What, what has been keeping you? I understand. Look, you think Facebook is for losers. I get it, man. I get it. Because it is. It is. It sort of is. on there. <laughs> but you can still go over there and enjoy yourself. You don't have to talk to anybody. Look. Just be you. We like you. We want you in the group because we want to reach the 500 because we've been on 475 for like two fucking months. So please, please go over to the Facebook group. It's the problem when you when you run something that's so fucking niche. Yeah. 
<laughs> you gotta top out at a certain point. Like, I, 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 I need more people. I feel like we could be if we made a really strong push, and like if we were one of those people, and everyone knows people like this, who just like invited all of their friends or forced all of their friends into the group, that yeah. we could get a couple of thousand easy. It's just that we don't want to be those people. Oh, well, and we don't want people in the group who don't want to be That's there. That's right, except we also know that there are people who want to be there that just don't know that they want to be there. Right, exactly. So I, w- so I would make the suggestion that if there are people who listen to the show regularly who have friends or, you know, uh, we'll just say friends. I, I don't doubt anybody, you know, family, but well, you know. Family, uh, indeed. Moms and dads. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> bring bring in you know bring in little billy and uh bring in cousin amy she's all grown up yeah exactly (laughs) um (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) real weird for a second there but um but yeah you know if if you know somebody who who would who, who you think would enjoy the show or or would enjoy uh you know being part of the group then yeah adam you know but uh ask their permission first well, all of that preamble was just to set up what today's film is. T- right. Today, Mo Porn and I are talking about the anthology film Hobo with a Trash Can, which actually, yes. my understanding is it hasn't actually been released for sale yet. We were given a screener copy to watch, and we were both excited to do so because uh, we're actually, uh, we-, we actually know some of the people involved on the creative side, uh, yeah. friends of the show, quite a few, in fact, and uh, this was an opportunity this is sort of like when we ha- had our episode on High Eight, and yeah. uh, you know it's like a sampler, right? It's an opportunity for people who haven't watched a lot of no-budget films or a lot of micro-budget cinema. It's like a grab bag, and you can see the talents of everyone involved. And in fact, you know, if I was a no-budget filmmaker and I was involved in one of these anthology films, I would do all I could to make sure that my piece, stu- you know, it stood out as much as possible. Because right. frankly. This is probably going to be the first viewing that a lot of people have of your work. This is going to be an opportunity for you to catch their attention and catch that, them as an audience so they can seek out more about you. Right. And with that in mind, <laughs> um, I don't want to reveal too much about my feelings of Hobo with the Trash Can yet. I hated it. No, I'm just kidding. Did, did not hate it. Absolutely. No, 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 absolutely not. Look, we, look, this is no bunch of nightmares. Do you know what we've had to go through? <laughs> That's so true. I mean, yeah, especially, I mean, like, let's put it this way. You you hold any of the, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll say any uh, of the segments in this up to, you know, some of the, 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 the lesser films we've had to watch. And I think I'd still rather watch Hobo with a Trash Can. Absolutely. Know? And in fact, there's no question. Uh, and that I just realized that that comment right there made it sound like Hobo with a Trash Can is really bad. It's not. It's, no. it's yeah. That's not. That wasn't the point I was making. But I will use one word right up front in regards to Hobo with a Trash Can, and that is frustrating. I found it very frustrating yeah. to watch Hobo with a Trash Can, and of course we're breaking it down segment by segment. Necessarily, because of the style of this show, we're going to be spoiling certain things as we discuss it. Anything that is supposed to be a surprise, we'll do our best to hold it back. It's going to be our interpretation of what was supposed to be a surprise. There isn't a lot of surprises in the film, uh, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's not one of those kind of films anyway. But, you know, even though we know people involved with it, we're going to be very honest because we can't not be. We're breaking it down piece by piece. Yes, Stephen Granger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stephen Looks like Jello Biafra. <laughs> <Stranger>. <laughs> uh, 
Mo, let me tell you the first problem I have. Mr. Snarky Facebook comments. <laughs> no, again, it, it, it's I don't feel good when I say bad things or say or criticize people that I know and like, but. It's also healthy criticism, right? This is we're not going to go out. We're not going into this with the idea that we're going to tear it apart. It's just that I think we have some suggestions. In fact, in one case, I'm going to say I have a very strong suggestion that could either improve future work or right now, if it's something that they wanted to to look at. But I'm going to tell you my first problem with the movie, Mo, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree. We might be on uh, different sides here. I, I'll do my best, please. <laughs> Which will be the first time ever in the course of this show, but, uh, you know, whatever. The title. I don't like it. I don't either. I, I'm not sure why they decided to go with the title that was so... Yeah, well, let, well let, me, let me ask you this. Every time that you mentioned you were going to be watching this movie, did the immediate response you get was, oh, is that a sequel? Yes. Or, yeah. or <laughs> most of the people I hang around with either wouldn't care or they'd be like, there is no sequel to Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah. But it's such a derivative title of Hobo with a Shotgun. Right. And that's okay. In fact, that's classic movie marketing, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I, I guess. It's, because, it's look, irritating. Hobo with a Shotgun, whether you like it or don't like it, it was part of a wave that continues to this day of what I would call neo-exploitation, right? It is mm-hmm. made to, it's designed in the mold of an exploitation movie, but it doesn't really resemble an exploitation movie of the 70s, right? It, you might do all of that fake film grain, fake film damage shit, but in reality, it's, it's basically the highlights of those type of movies strung together into a completely yeah. different form. And some people find that kind of exhausting and tiring. I compare it, remember when that movie Grindhouse came out, the Robert Rodriguez, Quentin yep. Tarantino one? So you had Planet Terror and you had Death Proof. And the thing about that, it's, it was such a weird experience to watch those together because... I thought Planet Terror is a neo-exploitation movie, right? It's just constant Absolutely. shit happening. Yeah. Death Proof was like a tribute to exploitation movies, so it was right. slow and sometimes plodding, and it was punctuated with really interesting, violent moments. But it was a lot more in the mold of a classic exploitation movie. So even though I find Grindhouse to be a really flawed movie, um, depending on my my... my my mood at any particular time, I might enjoy yeah. one or the other. Together, they're actually kind of a weird pairing. They are a weird mishmash. Now, I remember when when Tarantino was doing the uh, the big like event sort of situation where you could watch them both, plus all the uh, trailers, intermission yeah. stuff, and fake trailers and stuff. Uh, and I saw that in the in the theaters. Um, I remembered while I was watching it that I liked Planet Terror a lot more in the theater than I did death proof. But since then it's sort of flip flopped. And as I've watched them as individual films, I find that I like death proof a lot more. I mean, it's just, it depends for me on my mood. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how it is with anything. But in this case, by presenting your movie as in some way derivative of hobo with a shotgun, then you are showing it or suggesting that it's going to be either an exploitation film or a neo-exploitation film. Either mm-hmm. one is fine, right. but something that is in tribute to exploitation movies, right? Right, right, exactly. Hobo with a Trash Can, maybe the original concept was a tribute to exploitation movies, yeah. but the film itself is not. It has yeah. really very little to do with any kind of the exploitation movies that came out in the 1970s or early right. 1980s. It's very much <laughs> in tribute to the... Uh, talents of shot-on-video filmmakers, like right. High 8 was. Yeah, exactly. So it is a really uneasy mixture, especially because the second thing 
that really irritated me about this movie. They went with the fake film grain on a movie that was obviously, like, so obviously shot on digital video. Right. Which, I mean, we've mentioned before that that's a very frustrating thing for us. And the thing is, that went out of favor in 2008, right? Right, when right. When, when no-budget movies were all using it uh, at that point anyway, because they all wanted to be like Hobo with a Shotgun. They all wanted right. to be like, like, like Grindhouse. So yeah. it's, it's frustrating in 2015 to still be seeing that. I'm going to give them the benefit, of the benefit of the doubt in this case and say that because they were getting films from these different filmmakers who I imagine, you know, completed their work and sent it because most of them edited their own stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, that it was a way to kind of meld them all together into an anthology. Um, but oh, that's I, one, yeah, that's one way to look at it. Sure. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to understand why they would have made that decision because in practice it's, uh, it's irritating. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel and it, Mo? <laughs> and, it, and it makes it a little harder to watch too. I mean, like, cause like you had said, it's so something that's not really done anymore. And it's so like back when it was happening all the time, you didn't really think about it that much. Like sort of like when, when we had, when, uh, and it's still this still goes on too, but but not nearly as bad as it did when it started. Like the whole shaky cam yeah. revolution, and how every fucking movie was shaky cam, shaky cam. And you don't see it quite as much these days, although you do still totally see it, and especially in certain you know genres. But um, it's the same thing. Like it stands out like a sore thumb now, and now it's just like I I don't even want to I don't even want to see that. <laughs> well, I mean, it it again, it's it's. People who aren't like us, who haven't had to watch 50 no-budget movies that all have that kind that, of film grain, yeah, that, then they, they might not find it quite as irritating. But you have to understand that a movie like this has a niche audience, and that audience is going to be educated because uh, they're going to have seeked out this for a particular reason. Oh, yeah, because this sort of thing is not only not only is it a niche market, but it's like a niche within a niche within yeah. a niche. It's not – It's yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. The people who would – who would sit down intentionally to watch this um, would definitely uh, have an education on this style of film. They would, they would know like somebody's not going to walk into a Walmart, you know, so to speak and, and say, Oh, hobo with a trash can. Let me pick that up. You know, well, oh, that's just... the, but that's the alternate, right? The alternate is that the title tricks people into Fair purchasing enough. it. And if that's the case, then you really need to deliver. Because yeah. they're going to go into it and be like, oh, this looks so cheap. Because it was cheap. Because th- these movies that we watch are always cheap. So right. if it's cheap, then it's got to deliver all of those exploitation elements that those people want. And mm-hmm. that's another thing. This movie doesn't deliver. It doesn't deliver on the exploitation elements. Right. And in fact, it clearly, obviously holds back on a lot of those elements. It's not particularly violent. It's not. There's no nudity at all in it, I don't think. Uh, oh. and, and it's just that... I don't care about that because I'm 35 fucking years old and I don't give a shit right. if I see nipples anymore. <laughs> At least in this movie. I just mean there are other avenues to get those kind of things. But the thing is, if you're setting up those expectations, then you right. have to deliver or you're going to have a disappointed audience. Yeah. And it, that's, you know, and that's what I, I worry about with this movie. That's one of the things that really worries me. You know, again, it's not my job to market it. And really, my only important thing the only important thing for me is having a positive experience myself and maybe maybe i'm worrying about things that i shouldn't worry about in regards to it but i will say that it was hard not to think about them while i was watching right especially because you know when it comes right down to it punctuating parts of your especially short films with those elements of violence or or exploitative elements you know that's it it's interesting it makes your segment interesting 
And and that's and that's something that we'll talk about as we go through Mo Hobo with a Trash Can from 2015. Mo, how does Hobo with a Trash Can start? It starts with um like an animation. Yes, and an opening title with some great music actually. I think a, like a theremin type uh right. almost 50s style sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, theme. like a like a spooky surf rock. It was very yeah. uh, it's very cool. It's, actually actually the animation style reminded me of a lot. Did you ever watch that um very 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 short-lived uh online cartoon that I was doing with uh Dave over at Couch Cutter when it was done. Yes, absolutely. It was it was very much on par with the animation style of that. So when I saw that I'm like, "Oh, that's neat. This is like a bl-. it was called Blarg." <laughs> you know, it's like, "Oh, this is like a like a Blarg sort of style animation." So I kind of I kind of really loved that, but um yeah, I thought it was a great way to to open the uh, open the film. It's limited animation. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, it's limited, obviously, but it's it it very much shows its its low budget roots, or you know, and that's fine. That's totally fine. I thought it was great. I, I really liked it. And that also during that opening credits, it gives us a rundown of the people involved with directing and writing the movie. As we talk about each segment, we'll talk about its creator at that point. But sort of the brains behind it was is Claire Llewellyn, Claire Fluff. Llewellyn, who's uh, she's pretty well known in uh, ultra low budget movie circles, both as an actress and as a creator, as a director. Uh, and I think at this point we should talk about what the concept behind this movie was, which is I've heard slightly different versions, but the fact was that I think each director was was given a dollar <laughs> via PayPal uh, and then asked to purchase an item from like a dollar store. That their segment was going to revolve around. I think it's some sort of variation on that. So uh, got, I just got I got to tell you, man, you got real Canadian there for a second because <laughs> I said dollar store. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Everybody there, everybody was given a dollar. Everyone got a loony <laughs> and uh, loony, not a toonie. <laughs> and they, uh, but the, so they, uh, the the movie itself is set up where these items sort of trigger each segment, uh, and I guess then they they kind of wrote those. Wraparound segments based on the items. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like, anyway. That's what it seems like, yeah. And those items are also connected with the titular hobo. And uh, in I fact, just, I'm sorry. Yes, I did say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie starts with the hobo pushing his shopping cart, uh, and we get uh, a sign that says "Welcome to Retroville" because the film takes place in Retroville, not to be confused with, with Tromaville. <laughs> Though, and and no Lloyd Kaufman uh, cameo in this movie. That was very surprising. That was the most refreshing thing in the whole. Yeah, that was actually uh, pretty refreshing. <laughs> like, oh, good, no, no Uncle Lloyd here. All right. So this hobo, and we will call him a hobo because the film does. He opens a garbage can and finds a sausage inside, a delicious sausage. Jimmy Deans. Ugh. You like sausage, Mo? Not breakfast sausage. No, they give me tummy aches. Well, uh, this hobo wants the sausage, but unfortunately a dog runs up to him and also wants it. <laughs> I love I love the fact that the dog, that the dog like, just comes running up, starts barking at him. He's like, all right, fine. I'm just going <laughs> to. Instead yeah. of just eating it quick on his own, he's like, I'm gonna, I'll give it to the dog. The dog is not very appreciative of this of this effort, as we will see in a little bit. Uh, the, the hobo himself looks appropriately decrepit. He does have a shopping cart with one of those wind-up uh, symbol monkeys on the front of it. Monkey shines. Monkey shines, monkey, and those <laughs> things are pretty great, actually. I love them. I, I like. I, I, I've I've been wanting to get one for a really long time, and I just I just keep forgetting to. So then a woman runs out 
and wallops him in the head with a frying pan. And we don't know why. Yeah. And then he hits the ground and starts to convulse, and that leads into our first segment. I got I got to tell you I you know I appreciated the fact that they that they kind of did that like convulsion, you know, like uh green sparkle uh, yeah. effect every time. Special effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time a, a a new segment started because like as I'm watching it I'm like I don't know is this like the a new like at the beginning at the very least I'm like I don't know who's doing what here like should you know has the first segment started cuz sometimes it's a like like take for example like like the VHS series where or at least the first one where they're popping in new tapes you know each time right. so it's very very clear uh defining moment where where each segment started so like when this one was going on I'm like I don't really know what's going on until that sort of happens and then I'm like all right, all right. So this is the first segment. Yeah. Okay. Once you get to the second one, it becomes a lot clearer. But yeah, the yeah, first yeah, one, yeah, it's yeah. a little tough, especially because the first one somehow actually takes place chronologically before the events we just saw. Exactly. Which makes it really fucked up. Uh, we should mention that uh, Claire Llewellyn uh, apparently uh, directed the wraparound segments, so the beginning and end, and some of the inter pieces. But this part right now is actually the first story segment, right? And this is called Frying Saucer, and is directed by Christopher. Caller, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's how it's pronounced. Uh, who's a uh, he has uh, some uh, some acting and directing credits. He's directing the upcoming Grave Robbers from Outer Space, which mm-hmm. um, which has actually a lot of the people involved with, with this involved in that as well, and uh, has directed a bunch of shorts. Um, but I haven't really seen any of his work before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. Uh, now, uh, so this segment starts with a woman played by Claire Llewellyn um, uh, cooking, and her husband comes out and very. Very quickly, you'll notice that there's something a little off with the husband. Yeah. In fact, the, the, the segment, because it doesn't have a lot of time to establish what's going on, they have to make it very clear that something is up. In fact, this is just the, uh, the first bit of dialogue that you get in this segment. Stupid phone. Why does it always seem to get jacked up whenever you're around? And good morning to you too, dear. So it's sort of uh, 50-ish sitcom-ish at first with her just cooking. But yeah, so when he comes out into the uh, kitchen, the uh, the phone goes crazy. He speaks in a very monotone way. There's yeah. obviously something off. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, though, because at first I just, uh, in, at the beginning there, um, I mean, it only took me like maybe 15 seconds to realize what was going on. Uh, but, uh, but at the very first, my first note is a, uh, a dull white man jokes about his quote unquote <laughs> magnetic personality. So, <laughs> but pretty much all of his lines afterwards really kind of make it obvious. Yeah. 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 Because my next note after that is I'm, I'm guessing this guy's an alien, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially because she complains they've just been married. They're like, they're newly married. She's yeah. obviously British. Uh, and they've only been married for a week and he's, uh, she's upset of the fact that he has to go out and he goes, I'll make it up to you, dear. And it'll be out of this world. And then, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Then he sits down to his bacon and like does he pile sugar on it? Or sugar on the bacon. And that was like that was like my the like the first like good laugh, you mm-hmm. know. It's like like that's that's pretty funny. He's just pouring sugar onto the bacon. So the purpose of this segment is that aliens have come to Earth and they have developed a really good frying pan. Which um it's called the super pan. It's called the super pan. The super pan. Kiss the pan, the pan kisses you. 
classic Mr. Show. Anyway, um, <laughs> so so the, as will become clear very soon. So later on, uh, the woman is making up the bed, and uh, she discovers like a a not very well hidden case underneath yeah. it, like a suitcase. Opens it up, and it has like glowing green rods in it. Yeah. And I don't understand how that plays into anything that comes afterwards because it she doesn't doesn't yeah she doesn't seem to be upset by it or to remember it after no it it, you know what it is it's it's I don't think it has anything to do with like her like having any oh god I can't fucking talk today uh-huh. I don't think it has anything to do with with her um much for progressing the story other than it's the first thing she notices that makes her. Suspicious. Uh, suspicious, exactly. Yeah, like growing gl- green, glowing green rods will make you suspicious. I would imagine. <laughs> so we understand that that uh, basically her husband is involved in something called Operation Frying Pan, Frying Pan which yeah. is an which is an advertising campaign. Right. So, so he's around like this boardroom table, and there's a sheriff guy sitting at it, and he's just chowing down. <laughs> and they actually refer to him, and he has one of my favorite lines in this segment. Is really good. Creating the perfect conditions for lower fat fried deliciousness. I can see Chief Bullock here can't get enough. <laughs> People really know how to fry food. It's like nectar from the gods. From the gods! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and from there, we get sort of a montage of people enjoying this fried food, particularly bacon that was yeah. uh, was served in in um, in this made in this frying pan. I think right. someone <laughs> someone um, someone says that it's, it's like whore's milk for a crack baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's so good. Um, and of course, the the, the the I always it always kind of cracks me up, like the the, the stupid little things that that you, you tend to notice sometimes. And uh, and I and I loved that the uh, the cook who made that first guy the, uh, the that that BLT was wearing like one of those Keith Richards skull rings. Yes, I thought that was kind of cool. Some there's some weird dubbing in that part too. There is uh, some really weird dubbing. Um, and then uh, we get an advertisement, a television advertisement for the Super Pan featuring Rosie, Rosie Cheeks, Cheeks. <laughs> which, I gotta, like, which I got to tell you is a great name. Uh, who's a pitch woman, I guess, who yeah. is the person selling. The uh, the super pan. So um, the woman is watching this commercial at home, and after it airs, she is getting. A, she's actually on the phone at first, and there's people like excited about the fact that this pan is available and that her husband is involved with it. Yeah. And then something really strange happens. But what happened? But they're way more. They were. I love the fact that they're way more like interested in the fact that they got rosy cheeks to. Uh... Rosy cheeks. Well, yeah. <laughs> rosy cheeks. I missed when I watched. When I was watching this the first time. I missed the fact that her name was Rosy Cheeks. Yeah, me I too. Didn't I didn't I know what thought, the I fuck they were a, talking about. I thought it was a random, like non sequitur sort of joke. You know, I I just thought it was funny. You know. But uh, but then then you realize that it's Rosie Cheeks and you're like oh okay but like that first time when you don't really realize that that's her name like like those first couple of lines afterwards are fucking great yeah. and uh, and we have one of uh, one of the calls that uh, that she receives that she receives and it's so good. <laughs> Tell me what's happening here, Mo. With the guy? Yeah. I don't. I, you know what? I think you should just play the clip All because right. then honest, we'll talk about honest, it. Honestly, I think it'll sort of speak for itself. This is the call that the wife receives. Rosie Cheeks! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Girlfriend, you're gonna pay. Oh, hi! Didn't know you were such a fan. Oh my god, girl! I'm so ordering one or more. You hit jackpot with Mr. Loverboy. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing about that. Yeah. You can interpret that segment in two ways, that call, 
it was either a man pretending to be a woman or it that's, was a man. Yes, yeah. That's not how I interpreted it, but go ahead. Or a very flamboyantly gay man. That's how I interpreted it. So he is wearing sort of like a weird, I mean, he's dressed in a very bizarre manner. Let's yeah, say. it's it's great. I, I got such a kick out of that. All right. I felt like it might have been a little much, but camp. in the, it camp, you're right. In the context of this, I decided to enjoy it in the spirit in which it was intended. Right. Also, it was a very funny delivery. It was. <laughs> Mr. Loverboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, I thought I thought that the delivery sold it. If, if They could have gone really badly, but I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And then we see a montage of everyone on the phone ordering their own pan. They want the super pan. Yep. Yeah. Only British people can fly, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to the boardroom where Rose... <laughs> Back to the boardroom where Rosie Cheeks is there, and she's talking about how she's got book sales at the Wazoo. Um, and there's like a weird reference to her having some past legal problem. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just supposed to be sort of a non sequitur. Right. But it does introduce us to a character that will pop up later, Mrs. Glock, who's like the legal representation for the aliens, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a really strange segment, too, because um, the husband... And I apologize for not using the names. We get we don't really get them in any detail until a little bit later. Right. Um, I think the husband is named Elliot and the wife is named Mindy. Um, the husband's he, named Eddie. Oh, is it Eddie? Yeah. That's what I got. All right. But you, maybe you're right. Maybe I mean, I'm wrong. I don't know. You may be right. I may I, be crazy. I, it just may be a lunatic <laughs> you're looking for. So the husband in front of this boardroom makes a really ridiculous joke. And I like this, actually, this line as well. I, I love it. Like butter. heard that somewhere <laughs> that is a, yeah a, the, the delivery of the line itself you know and then like you get all the quizzical looks from everybody around the table and like that pause like i like there's just something about like really good comedy with that extended what i, I like to call it like comedy torture you know that extended like they're doing something way longer than they need to sure like they, he nails it. That that is perfect delivery, right? Yeah, there. the benefit of silence, right? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> what's great is he immediately goes into telling this people around the table that he's taken a wife, uh, and the crowd then applauds. And then yeah. two guys dressed in suits, like men in black type suits, they get up and they do a little dance with each other. Yeah, they do a little dosey do. See, this sort of, I I will say I was really enjoying the movie up to this point because. It, it had exactly the kind of freedom to do bizarre things right. that only no-budget movies have. Exactly. And, and you know, it was taking advantage of that freedom, sometimes for better or for worse, but at least you felt like they were going for it. Yeah, and, and of course, you got to enjoy, you know, a, a little injection of obscure, absurd humor every now and again. I, and I really thought that they did a, did a great job with that. Because, uh, honestly, like, everybody's clapping, you know, then all of a sudden... <laughs> <laughs> so Mindy is at home, and she's at home a lot because her husband works so much, her alien husband. Uh, and she is on Skype with her mother. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you describe the acting style of Mindy's mother? Um, wooden? <laughs> I would say the classic reading from a note card next to you yeah. <laughs> style yeah. of acting. Yeah, she's, do- she's doing the, uh, the what I like to call the, the Don the Dragon Wilson. <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
in this case, I believe the mother is played by Claire Llewellyn's actual mother. So, oh. I mean, you know, you, you at least you know you got to work with what you have, right? Yeah, no, I, she didn't do a bad job as such. It's you know, it's just it is what it is. So they're just kind of chatting about her marriage, and yeah. uh, and, and it gives us a little bit more background that they got married after their first date. It was obviously very quick because he's an alien. Um, <laughs> but then her mother ends the conversation with a really strange. Line and let's hear it first, and we can talk about it. Yes. What are you doing tonight then? I'm just going to relax with a bottle of red that's been opened and watch some old movies till he gets home. If you have a bottle of wine open too long, it can turn bad and it can make you sick. Right. Well, we're going to bed now. <laughs> love you. Speak to you soon. I love you too. Bye. It can go bad and make you sick. Can make you sick. And this is a like that is just a throw a really strange throwaway comment that actually ends up getting referred to later on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. (laughs) So then we get another montage of people cooking and eating bacon. Um, and then we uh, we see uh, someone leaving a house. It's it's probably Elliot. Basically, the idea that they have a plan that they're putting into action, and you, tonight is the night. You know what else I thought? Going back to the mother for one quick second. You know what else I thought was gonna happen, and then never did, which made it that much weirder and or kind of funny. Was that there was this sort of like shadowy figure standing behind her, like the whole time. Yes. And, <laughs> like just back in the shadows, and I'm like, I was so expecting something like horrible to happen or or maybe it's just my my mentality but then but then nothing comes of it so there's just this person standing in the background you can't make out any of the details because they're completely in the shadows (laughs) (laughs) nothing 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 comes of it i'm like all right (laughs) speaking of shadows we cut to mindy and she's watching an old movie a scary movie on the television. Mm. Uh, did you did you make out what movie it was? I didn't because I, I'm not that well versed, to be honest. Why Why do we even have a podcast about movies? Yeah, I know we're know. we're terrible. <laughs> so she's This is actually a really well shot sequence where she's watching the movie and this large shadow sort of comes in and looms right. over her. Yeah. And Elliot, or I guess his maybe his name isn't Elliot, says, "Honey, I'm home." Right. Uh, but the plan, as we soon discover, is that um. He wants to knock boots. He wants to have sex with her. In fact, he voices it <laughs> in uh, in this manner. Mm-hmm. Elliot. It's baby-making time. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure she just said Elliot, so I'm going to go with that as being the fucking he, name. Yeah, it's so funny because, like, I heard I, I heard Eddie so many times, but may, maybe it's just my ears going. I don't know. Maybe. Because she like clearly that? said Elliot right there. You like that punk rock music, Mo? I do like the punk rock music. Mm-hmm. Right. So then he carries her into the other room. And he uh, like hovers over her, and his pupils go all white, and blood starts dripping from his lips. <laughs> and he goes, "Upload complete." <laughs> <laughs> probably the best, probably the best sex scene in a, in a low budget film I've I think I've ever seen. Certainly the best one in this low budget film. Huh. Uh, she immediately runs into the bathroom and vomits, as you would. Yeah. Uh, and he says to her while she's in the bathroom, "Must have been the wine. You'll, <laughs> you'll feel better after a good night's sleep." Then he even smells the wine and goes rancid. Interesting. <laughs> so she's terrified at this point. Obviously, something fucked up has happened, and right. so she locks herself in the closet for the night. The I know, next, I know some guys who did that too. Oh yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Um, the next day, he I comes come home out with, of the closet, man. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Boom. 
Rosy cheeks! Uh, (laughs) Elliot uh, arrives home the next day. Like, she stays in the closet all night, and he brings her what he says is a uh, hangover remedy, which is like a green liquid. a bottle of green liquid. (laughs) Um, And uh, so so he, and and some flowers for her as well. So uh, she actually comes out really slowly, carrying the frying pan, and then... um, he comes up behind her, she yells out, alien bastard, and she hits him with the frying pan. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. And that's the end of the segment. That's the end of the segment, yeah. And this now this was a little uh, a, a, a weird transition, too, because, like, yeah. like, like especially with this first story, because, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Claire Llewellyn had, had something to do with this first one, too, so it, it makes sense that, like, that there's there's no no real transition from uh from that story back into the wraparound again. I mean, technically, the transition right. happened before the story happened, right? Right? Yeah. Because you know she did that, ran outside, and then hit the hobo with the with it as well, right? Which is really the ending. But even that as an ending isn't the ending because that this story is going to continue right. as the wraparound for the rest of the movie. Yeah. But I will say that in the context of watching it, I felt like what like what. That was very felt very unsatisfactory. Yeah, because usually a your first segment isn't cut off like that. It doesn't continue. I mean, usually a wraparound is just a wraparound. This is a segment plus wraparound. Yeah, it's 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 very it's very weird, especially given that that all of the other segments aren't so tied in. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, they're they're um uh nominally tied in basically with that like one item you know but then everything else is 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 just its own thing um especially uh one l- later segment where it like you were even saying like it was uh, it was a a film before it was even added into this right right you know we'll, so, talk, we'll talk about yeah we'll that. talk about that one when we get there but because we're into the movie proper now now yeah. we're going to have a series of segments with brief interludes in between them and right. this is where the real meat of the movie happens because right. it, honestly that first segment was actually longer i think than most of the it other was ones. yeah in fact in my notes it says this is t- way too long <laughs> it did feel that way yeah um but it did have more substance i think than a lot of the other ones it do did. because but but and we'll see that that's not necessarily uh, a a plus <laughs> in, in the context of the movie. Yeah. So a car pulls up that is definitely not a police car. <laughs> uh, what are you talking uh, ne- about? Was clearly the cops next to the hobo who is twitching on the ground. Uh, a guy in a leather jacket comes out. And he puts on a rubber glove and he picks up the fr- pr- frying pan. And basically, they're accusing the hobo as uh, of murdering right. the husband. Exactly. Um. So they uh. <laughs> They they are going to take the hobo to a secret location, right? And so, in order that the to keep it secret, they put a paper bag over the hobo's head. And I I love it too because because uh, the, like the cop was like, "Why are you doing that?" You know, like, "Why are you putting a bag?" He's like, "Cause it's secret." And the, and the cop's just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah." <laughs> and that leads right into segment number two, grab bag, directed by Stephen Granger. Yes. Um. And uh, and I we we are both familiar with Steven. I reviewed one of his movies, his Super Tromet movie something. <laughs> Go might be might be confusing that with Rock and Roll Space Patrol. Um, no, I mean Steven is. Uh, I liked his other movie quite a bit. Very bizarre uh, and a very interesting shooting style. Yeah. Here, his segment is based on a really simple concept, and it works. It works to a point. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I, I see. This is one of this. Was, oh, do you want to fight about this? Yeah, we're gonna fight about it. You All right, dick. <laughs> All right, bitch boy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just explain what the concept of is. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, okay. So basically, there's an evil little man. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's got like a stovepipe hat on, and he's he's snidely whiplash ish. See, and- see it's, yeah, you know what? I I I'm glad you mentioned snidely whiplash because I said he's very much a. Uh, for me, he seemed like he was channeling a combination of uh, snidely whiplash and like Torgo. Yes, you know? Torgo or uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Bloodsucking? Blood. Oh, I was thinking yeah, blood yeah, sucking yeah, Bloodsucking Freaks, freaks. The, yeah, yeah. the the little person. Yeah, I can't remember um, his name. So so and his. Th- thing is he's putting a paper bag in random spots right. people encounter it and when they look inside they see i guess we don't know what they see but they see they, it, yeah it's just they see uh their most desired uh, thing or whatever right yeah and when they reach in to grab it the bag eats them right. and uh in, in, in to that end the little man is actually feeding some sort of being he that's what his job is right the master right so that's easy enough to understand yeah. right and th- that's why I love the concept for this because it very much is kind of that classic Twilight Zone ish. I mean, it really right. works. It's you know, very, it's very per- simple. It's perfect fodder for an anthology film. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So in terms of the idea, and I like the actor playing the little man too, Mike because Broca. He, yeah, he's he's super into it. <laughs> First person he actually catches at the bag is this like punk looking guy. Yeah, um, and. <laughs> As the guy goes over to the bag, you see that little guy, the little man, the the evil little guy, and he's like clapping with glee. He's yeah. so excited, it's so good. I love it, and it means that you get some really great, quote unquote, special effects where a bag is eating a person, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Stephen was telling me that that he was giving directions to uh, to Mike for that, and he and he was like, he was like. Nothing is too over the top. <laughs> and you can tell that he just went with it. He did such a great job. Then we're introduced to another character. So he places the bag somewhere else and hides yeah. uh, behind a trash can. I mean, like he's visible, so easily visible. <laughs> and a woman comes out. Uh, the woman actually is played by Dana Nofke, who I, who I know as a filmmaker. Um, and she... Um, is hesitant to open the bag because she thinks that it belongs to somebody, right. even though she looks in and sees expensive stuff in there. And when the hat guy, that little man, sees that she's not going to look into it or, or try to take what's in the bag, he gets super pissed. So and I, I love, agree. I love how he expresses himself. This is what he says. <laughs> oh, why did you just take what's in this bag? Useless cretin. Useless, <laughs> worthless. Oh, if you only knew what was in the bag. Uh. <laughs> Useless cretin. And so he then runs off, and uh, because he wants someone else to take the bag instead, and she sort of follows him. The reason now this plays into why I had a lot of difficulty with this segment, Mo, and maybe it's just because we're paying close attention, and the expectation is that most people watching it won't be. Mm. But the fact is, it was really, really obvious to me that the scenes with the woman and the scenes with the little man were shot. At different times, in different locations, and in a way that they never interact the entire time. Meh. So every time that she's supposed to touch him, or or he's supposed to have the ba- yeah, it's always obviously a double with different clothing with a different background, and I found it really distracting the whole time. See, I didn't at all. I just well, I just wasn't I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> 
Well, why would you be? Yeah, why, yeah. It's not. It's not like I have to go on to like a podcast or something and review it. Like I just thought it was funny. But like you said about him being Torgo-ish, he even says at this point, like, the master must feed. Yeah, the yeah, master yeah. needs it's sustenance. Very much a, a Torgo line, yeah. So he's, like, putting the bag down in places, and, like, this uh, black guy comes over, and he reaches into it, and, like, blood squirts out everywhere as he gets eaten. Uh, and um, uh, they also do this bit while that's happening. There's, like, a scream in the background, mm-hmm. but the scream is looped a la the suburban Sasquatch. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. <laughs> Which, again, we notice that sort of thing, but it's not the best sound editing in the world. But I, I, <laughs> I, think... love, I love the scene. I love the scene where there's like uh, there's this bald guy who um, who who reaches in and uh, and starts to get eaten. But the woman sort of helps him, you know, and uh, and uh, and the 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 Torgo esque <laughs> character just goes, always foiling my plans. You are. <laughs> 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 like his line delivery on every fucking line is just stellar. It's so great. So the guy gets eaten, and so then the little man goes over to the bag and stares into it for a weirdly extended period of time, just in case you can't figure out what's about to happen next. <laughs> the woman comes up behind him, and guess what happens? Uh, she comes up very close. And then a strangely different looking pair of hands push push him into the bag and he gets eaten by the bag as as the woman runs off and blood squirts out of it. Some weird music plays and then we see the bag is just laying there and some kid grabs it and runs off with it. Yep. Clean ending. Perfectly uh, succinct segment of the it was this. I, I. if they were all like this, I would really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, exactly, exactly. I do find, like I said, I found some of the technical elements of this to be a little iffy, but the it was a strong enough concept that it didn't really bother me. That yeah, much. right, exactly. Yeah, if it had been like that and I was bored to tears, then that would have been a different story. But I actually really, really enjoyed uh, enjoyed the segment as a whole, despite you know your your complaints of it. I didn't, like I said, it didn't bother me. I didn't even notice. Uh, well, people are going to uh, be weirded out. They're like, why were at the, they at the beginning? so iffy on this they seem to be really enjoying it so far well yeah. just hold yeah, on just give give us a moment i had made the joke with uh with with steven on this one that i really wanted to hate it so that i could like tear into him for all the fucking snarky facebook comments <laughs> like because like i've got like two friends on facebook who like will just leave the snarkiest comments on everything i post and he's one of them <laughs> i mean they always make me laugh so it's like i don't i don't mind but it's just i I wanted to hate it. <laughs> so back to the hobo. But that, in but there. that was actually my, my, my second favorite one of the... Uh... We're going to rank them all at the end, yeah. so you hold that thought. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I load big time, Eric. <laughs> so uh, back to the secret location where the hobo is being interrogated by the two police officers. Right. Uh, now, there's sort of a bad cop, good cop thing going on. Yeah. There's one There's one cop actually in a uniform, and he's sort of like, the other cop calls him like a bleeding heart, because I think he wants to feed the guy yeah. or something. I would Even pre- though- give the prisoner food. <laughs> he, he says, the, the angry cop says like, don't touch the filthy fuck, he stinks. <laughs> um, he even says like, there's some stale water over there to give him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so they decide, they have to go report back to the chief, and they I lo- just I love leave. that the angry cop has a, has a real like... Zapparousedower sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cop, right? <laughs> so Rousedower, is that a stupid name? 
so uh, they leave because they need to check in with the chief, who apparently likes them to take people to locations like this for their interrogation for some reason. Right. Uh, and then Lead Belly's "Where Did You Sleep Last Night" plays on the soundtrack. Yeah, I loved it. I, that was that was. I thought that was actually a really great choice. Well, if I had to guess why we got to hear Lead Belly's "Where Did You Sleep Last Night." I would say it's because it's in the public domain. <laughs> that's fine. That's that's totally That's fine. fine. Hey, totally. better than another Kevin McLeod fucking song. I'll tell you that much. Right. <laughs> uh, and we also see the hobo peeing in a bucket, so that's nice. Yeah. And then he curls up and goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up, and he's in a different location. Yeah. And he's pushing his cart around, and he's like searching through garbage cans, and he finds a coat, and there's like weird like uh, special effects on things, including on his clapping monkey. Um, and he looks up suddenly, and he's like covered in bright lights. But then he wakes up again, and at this point, a dog is pissing on his face. Yeah, the dog from earlier. Yep. And then he he <laughs> looks over, and he has somehow gotten his hand stuck on a condom. Ew. Because the next segment that is the transitionary item, a condom. So he passes out, and and uh, you mentioned it earlier, but uh, to introduce the segments, he always goes into sort of like a weird catatonic state yeah. where he's shaking on the ground, and like these weird green effects are on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that leads us to Condom Demmed, directed by, uh, I think it's Lloyd Emmons and Kyle Leonard. Yeah. Uh, I th- one of them might be just the writer in this case, but either way, they work together to do this. Um, on IMDb, neither of them have credits though Kyle is working on a new short called The Red Space so I didn't know what to expect with this one I don't have any connection with either of these two gentlemen uh, but I like this one a lot you know I, I did too to be honest I, I, I thought that it was because remember when I, I had IM'd you like in you know like while I was watching this and I'm like I'm so confused who did what why you know because like I, I don't pay that much attention I just copied the uh, the list of names you know, at the beginning of who, of who who did what, and I did. It didn't even dawn on me that like somebody would have directed the uh, the wraparound. So I like I'm like, right. why why are there only six segments, but there's seven names? And like, oh right, wraparounds. Um, so like at first I thought this segment was Stephen Granger's. You know, right. So and and, it, and then thankfully you you fixed that for me because I'm stupid. Well, it's important to note that there's no on-screen credit until the very end of the movie, yeah. so you have no way to know who worked on each segment as you're watching Right, what do you think this is, Tales of the Dead? <laughs> but also, at the end of it, they mix a lot of the credits together in a very confusing manner. In fact, it really irritated me to see that they like put all like the editors and stuff together yeah. instead of separating them into their segments. Yeah, no, they uh, should have they, yeah, separated it up. Doesn't really make sense. Anyway, so this segment starts with a guy named Brian, and Brian is a young man on a bicycle. And he's looking to make a little bit of money. And he sees an ad posted up that says, are you a guy who wants to make $1,000 fast? Which <laughs> I've, 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 uh, I've responded to ads like that before with not good consequences. <laughs> <laughs> and now I only have one kidney. <laughs> and now I co-host a nobody. <laughs> gotcha. So he goes to meet a guy just wearing an undershirt. Like and four, guy like, four years later and I still haven't paid you a dime. <laughs> so the guy is... Uh, uh, the the sorry so the so the kid's named Brian he meets this guy in an undershirt who asks him a bunch of personal questions like whether he's single uh, and like what's the one thing you can't live without mm-hmm. and the answer for that is what is the one thing you can't live without Mo sex You're porn You're porn <laughs> so we've discovered that this guy in the undershirt has been using a fake which, profile which by, by the way if you ever want to cure a porn addiction work in a porn shop for two years. <laughs> 
you'll never want to see another fucking second of pornography for the rest of your life. Mo watches nature photography now to get hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> give me that, give me that 1975 National Geographic. So this guy's been using a, a fake dating profile on a dating website, and he wants Brian to take out the girl he's been wooing. Uh, he wants Brian to play the role of Ted, um, and he wants her to take this woman named Crystal out on a date. Mm-hmm. And while on the the date, he wants her to he wants him to. Um, Basically, he wants him to wear spy glasses. Spy glasses. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I, I, I love it too. Like, like here, here. Let, let let me ask you a question about about your morals as a human being. <laughs> so, so let's say you answer an ad that you know that says, uh, "Here's a, a fast thousand dollars you can make," and the guy mm-hmm. and the guy says to you essentially, um, you know, all I want you to do is to take this woman out get her drunk and bang her and record the whole thing. Like, how would you respond to that? Cause I personally, I'd be like, I don't think I can do that. Well, no, uh, I, Mo, I would hope no reasonable person could. Right. Also my expectation of getting to the banging stage would be eh, not so sad. <laughs> wouldn't have a lot of, wouldn't have a lot of confidence in that necessarily. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, well, but also this person doesn't just want that. He wants him to leave the glasses in her room. Right. So he can have like a continued feed on her, which is that is your example, which is one of the suggestions here is creepy. That's creepy to another level. To another level. Exactly. Because you might not get to home base (laughs) on a date. It might just be a recording of you having a nice, in this case, picnic (laughs) with a woman. Um, And and really awkward bedroom conversation. Yes. So in, in this case, Brian is offered $500 up front. He has to wear these glasses with a little camera in it, and he gets another 500 after he's done. Um, and in fact, the guy makes the other creepy assertion that he should loosen her up with alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of creepy, he also gives him another present. What is it, Mo? A condom. A condom. Made- a green condom. A green condom. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the name of this condom brand? Oh, it's uh, it was like it's called like double dippings or something like yeah, that. Yeah, double dippings made from recycled latex. In fact, let's let's hear uh, let's hear the guy say it. Okay, but oh, and you're gonna need one of these double dippings made from recycled latex. Is this safe? Of course they are. I ordered a shit ton of them online. I couldn't understand the language, but. They had a lot of positive reviews. Just put one in the picnic basket. Film it so I know you didn't back out if the plan fails. Didn't you say you needed to buy a car? Didn't you say you needed to buy a car? Yeah. Brian wants to buy a car. If he wants that car, he's going to have to put on a fucked up <laughs> recycled latex con. Like, there are actual porns that start with this sort of storyline. Like, sure, you right. Know? Didn't you say you need to pay for school? <laughs> like it's basically like th- like this right here is almost basically the entire plot line of the film Scum of the Earth. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. There's a few few plot lines that this resembles. Um, so Brian, did somebody this, order like, a pepperoni? <laughs> so everything that happens after this is so fucking weird. So weird that it made me enjoy it more. Yeah. Even though, even as I was wondering why the fuck it was so weird. So the first thing that happens is that Brian arrives at Crystal's house for the date, pretending to be Ted. Mm-hmm. And he shows up early to a first date with someone he's never met before. Yeah. 
<laughs> so he showed up early. So um, so she asks him to put the picnic basket together. She doesn't say, hey, this is us meeting for the first time face-to-face. Doesn't seem to be interested in that at all. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a little odd. It's really fucking odd, actually, Mo. <laughs> okay, it's it's really fucking odd. <laughs> so he puts a picnic basket together, and they go outside. And by the way, it looks cold as fuck. Yeah, it wherever just, they it are, just, it just seemed really fucking miserable. Whatever day they, uh, whatever they, they, day they were shooting this, it's, I guarantee. Oh, bad for him. I guarantee that they were planning on it to be a scene where they're, you know, uh, they're having a picnic. Right. But it ended up pouring rain the whole fucking time, and they had to improvise. Yeah. Because it looks miserable. Well, I like how they, I like how they start off like at, in an actual picnic, and then just sort of like, I don't want to. They don't even pretend anymore. Yeah, yeah, they don't even pretend. They're just like, oh, fuck this, and they just move to like an over overhang picnic area. You know, I'm like. <laughs> So he takes – they're about to leave to go on the date. One of the funny things uh, earlier is that when he met the guy in the undershirt, he says like to pretend to be like someone who's eco-friendly yeah. uh, because women love that. And she comes down and she notices that they're going to go on the bike uh, – they're going to go on the date on his bike. And she says this. Oh, do you always take your dates on bike rides? Yeah, I'm eco-friendly. Oh, going green. What do you mean? <laughs> and that, see that's a that's a really clever line i thought that was i thought that was really funny what do you mean <laughs> so then we get a montage of them playing in a park they're playing on a children's like playground yeah 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 first they're like they on like a fucking seesaw on and swings shit. and they go like on a teeter-totter and like on one of those like little merry-go-round things and <laughs> but as you mentioned then they go inside of an enclosure yeah. and they immediately mention the fact that the weather is terrible <laughs> because it would have been impossible not to notice that it was so then probably even in the context of this movie where like the whole thing where a bunch of dumb shit happens this might be the dumbest of all of them yeah but but it just makes you love it that much more <laughs> so so she opens the picnic basket. Yeah, and she's like and- pulling things out, and uh, I want to. I want to take over here because this is like sure. this is my favorite part. Uh, so she starts taking stuff out. And she pulls out the wine glass and the condom that he had gotten is is in her cup, and so she pulls it out, and he's like, Ugh, you know, and he goes, oh, I thought we could have some dessert after drinks, and she just goes, okay, I'm DTF. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, uh, and then, uh, and then, then they consummate their relationship. Yeah, but that happens entirely off screen. Now that's okay. Look, because we know, both of us know more than some people know how it is making low budget movies, yeah. and this the, you're you're not going to convince someone usually to get naked for no money, right? Or even to have uh, simulated sex in a, in a you know covered up for no money. Right. If they don't want to do it. That said, this is supposed to be an exploitation movie. Yeah, yeah, there should. <laughs> so it, I, I wrote in my notes, and I even put it over on our Facebook group. What is this, a Michael Fitzgerald movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I understand why you did it this way. The thing is, your audience is going to be like, why? What the fuck's going on? Right. How come everything? You know, how come we're not seeing the thing you would normally see in this right. case? At, at the very, I, at the very least, they should have done like, uh, you know, like like a like a cross fade to them, or cross dissolve, I should say, into them 
uh, like in the bed at the very least, you know, like just like the afterglow, so to speak. And yeah. just... The funny thing is their afterglow involves him still fully clothed, yeah. wearing all the same stuff as before, right. while she's in the bathroom vomiting up blood. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty hot. So he sees himself out. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple days later, Ryan, uh, Brian, sorry, is looking at the fat, fat stack of cash he now has. And he, but he is, uh, I think, troubled or maybe still attracted to this woman. Mm. And he gives her a call, and she immediately yells, "Stop calling me!" When he calls, right? Uh, but this is actually the first time that he has called her. She mistook him for her ex, Josh. Ooh, that name sounds or that that sounds familiar. Yes. So people who are listening to this now probably can put two and two together. Not really, because at, we never mentioned that the the name earlier. <laughs> okay, but, but but I mean you can put you can still put it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically Why? basically what happens is uh uh Boyan <laughs> um sorry I was doing We will we we <laughs> we will we we Boyan uh I I the want, has spirit. I have wanted to do that since we started this segment. <laughs> but um Yeah, he he puts the two and two together in his head that the uh that the advertisement that he that he answered earlier was signed J. Right. You know, and oh, that must be Josh. Yada yada. Uh, I don't think we should spoil the rest of the segment. I don't think we should know. either, because I, yeah. I think this one has a really good ending, and I, I, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. So, so you know, you can probably put some of those pieces together, but I will say that. Uh, but there is a twist that 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 they have to kind of watch to. Uh, that's to, true. Yeah. That's true to fully appreciate. This was a good segment. Uh, the acting is not good, but there's only three characters, and everyone seems to be trying, yeah. which is always great. Yeah. Um, and it looked like and, they had a lot of fun with it. So yeah, and they do some weird stuff, which is what I want out of this. Because if you're not going to give me violence and nudity, you got to give me some weirdness exactly. to explain why this has to be done as a shot on video type feature, right. as opposed to right, as opposed to something more. Um, I'll use the word legitimate, even though of course that's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. What, what What the hell, man? Yeah. This was the point in the movie, by the way, where I was even making notes. It's like the fake rain and the fake damage just was irritating the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the hobo. He, remember, he, he wakes up. I mean, he wakes up with a condom on his hand. He throws it away, and he goes back to push his cart. Um, he, uh, he sees a woman throwing out some trash, and he drinks from a wine bottle. And when he does, she suddenly appears as an alien, like in a They Live type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like that it's not, just, it's not just a wine bottle. It's the exact wine bottle from the first segment. <laughs> you know. Props are expensive. No, no, I, that wasn't even the point I was making. I thought that was good continuity. I liked that. So then uh, right after that, he immediately wakes up again, and he is back in the, uh, in the place where the cops left. Right. So he was in a dream within a dream at one point. Then he was just in within a dream, and now he's back, yeah. <laughs> back where he and was. You, in- and you know how much I love... Dreams, dreams <laughs> in movies. Uh, he wakes up, uh, and there is a half-eaten apple. Right. So, so him. he does what anybody you know who's hungry would do, and he goes and he takes a bite, and it's absolutely disgusting. So he spits it out. I was surprised at how nice and white that apple was, considering it must have been there for a little yeah, while. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but let's not think about that kind of no, detail, no, no, no. Because the reason he picks up the apple and spits it out is that it leads into our next segment. Yes. Which is called The Apple That Bit Back, directed by a Mark Charles Adams, a British gentleman. Righto. So uh, my understanding is that this, The Apple That Bit Back, is a reappropriation of a short that already existed before the movie did. 
Mm. So they basically just got the rights to include it within the compilation. And, and we- you can and you can almost kind of tell too because this one uh probably has the biggest visual difference from uh from the others. Now, when you say that Mo, what do you mean? It, it looks older. Yes, it does a little bit yeah. though. I think it only was made like a year like a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it just it like like it it's obviously shot um using different technology so to speak than what than what everything else seemed to be because everything else seems to be sort of on the same level be it good or bad Hmm. and and, actually that's not true the last one is really really off looking as well but (laughs) but um but but this one just doesn't it doesn't like this is the first one so far in the film that seems like it was done by somebody not within that sort of group of filmmakers. It's more polished. It's way more polished. Way more polished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a short that you might actually see at a film festival. Right, right. The rest, I, I mean, no matter what we, how much enjoyment we've gotten out of the one so far, you, it's unlikely that that would fly except in particularly small film festivals. This right. one you could see getting a good response before, you know, a fairly, in a fairly high level film festival. Right. So the Apple that bits back starts with nuclear towers <laughs> collapsing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to really differentiate it from what we've seen before. And we see like a scientist guy running away uh, just briefly. And then it cuts to our main uh, characters, I guess. There's a guy sitting on a couch eating a pretzel. And his friend is sitting next uh, into a, a chair to his left. And he's eating a banana. And they have a conversation about the relative benefits of fruit. How do you feel about fruit, Mo? I love fruit. Well, this is what the gentleman here feels about it. What? Jesus, Ed, can't you eat popcorn like normal people? Christ, not this again. I'm telling you, bud, fruit is evil. Five a day is the motto of Beelzebub. Satan? Yes, sir. What are you going to eat after that banana? My apple? Exactly. Exactly. The apple. Downfall of man. (laughs) <laughs> I read it in the Bible, my foolish friend. Fruit is good for you. It's healthy. No, Eddie. Fruit is the devil with vitamin C. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is, I mean, again, this is a whole different kind of style than what we've seen up to this point. Yeah, yeah. Much more, um, it's not that the, the previous ones haven't been broad, right. like broadly comedic, but this one is a, a bit more, you can tell that more effort is put into like the scripting of it and things like well, that. And, and it also has, uh, has like that, that British comedic sensibility. Yeah. It's very dry type yeah. of comedy. But, uh, then we get introduced to my favorite character in this entire oh, vitamin movie. Vitamin C. <laughs> you just like how he says vitamin. I, I love the way the Brits say vitamin. <laughs> so the uh, the doctor that we saw at the very beginning uh, runs into a room with a briefcase, and when he's in there, he's confronted by uh, a guy in a suit with a Russian accent. Um, and and the guy in the Russian accent says that the doctor, who's named Doctor Marks, is late, and he even says, "But I don't give one little." Fuck, <laughs> which I thought was really great. Um, yeah, the, the the Russian guy's swearing is just really. Oh, like, I love his performance in this. It's, it's a sh- the it worst Russian really accent. Good. Yeah, just terrible. But, but he's amazing, it. and I love the character who was just completely unperturbed about everything. <laughs> even even when he's pissed, he doesn't really seem to be bothered by the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So the idea here is that the the Russians, I guess, have paid two and a half million pounds for the weapon that Dr. Marx has in his case. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, who has just apparently just escaped with his life, um, doesn't really know what that weapon is, but it's within the case itself. So 
they he passes over the case to the Russian guy. He opens it, and then uh, he seems very confused about the fact that instead of having a weapon inside, all that's inside is an apple. <laughs> I gotta I gotta read what my notes here are, say because I was talking to you about this before. Uh... You were uh, confused by some of this. Yeah, I was. I was totally confused by the beginning of this segment. So, so here, here's my notes in a in a hole for this segment. Is that I don't really know what's going on. He talks about apples. Uh, he puts an apple in the doctor's mouth and then calls somebody. I guess the apple was important. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> I can't. I'm. I'm a little confused that you were confused, actually, Mo. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well. A little backstory on that one. I was at work when I watched this. <laughs> um, it was approximately four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, um, and I had been up for quite a while. So, oh, and I was also watching it on one point five speed, which was a huge mistake because all of the accents really muddle. Jesus horribly. Christ. Well. Yeah, so no, right after that scene, I put it back to, to regular speed, um, and, and the rest of it made sense. But so I was just a little confused at the beginning of the segment, but then once it picks up and once, you know, once everything starts happening, like it just, it everything clicked, and I'm like, okay, now I understand what's going on. So uh, the Russian, who was, again, really confused about the whole thing, he starts to threaten the doctor because he thinks he's made some sort of switcheroo, and this is part of his dialogue. I got the case for you. They hunted me. Maybe they really like apples. Fuck. I like apples. <laughs> I'll take them a half million for apples. Well, apple singular. Yeah. Some bad sound there, but I like how he's saying apples, apple singular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he. Maybe they really like apples. <laughs> Fuck. I like apples. I like apple. He puts the apple in the doctor's mouth, and then he gets a call from his boss, the Russian guy. Right. And the boss basically tells him that, yes, the apple is the weapon, but while they're on the phone, the apple that's in the doctor's mouth actually kills him. Right. Uh, uh, which may have been confusing to you, Mo. <laughs> well, it, it was because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I'm like, okay, so the apple killed the... What? So this all plays into what's, what's been said also, so far, right? Keeping in mind that I didn't know what the title of this segment was. <laughs> if I had, none of this would have been confusing right. at all. So it's like the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, except instead of tomatoes, it's an apple. Yeah. Uh, and it plays into what the guy was saying earlier about him hating fruit, right? So, of course, these two things are going to connect. So back to those two guys who are... I they're roommates, are they? I, I guess. Assume, yeah. yeah. So um and we see like an apple actually flying through the window <laughs> and start floating around behind one of the characters <laughs> and one of them thinks it's a rat and it it hides under the TV but when um so it's it, the two characters are Ed, who is the guy who was eating fruit at the beginning and mm-hmm. Jay, the guy who hates fruit. Right. So Jay goes under the TV to look to see if it was a rat and the and it says boo to him. I love that. <laughs> boo. So, um, so uh, Ed, uh, who doesn't believe that uh, something said boo to him, just tells him to go to bed, uh, and that's exactly what he does. We also quick, quickly cut back to the Russian guy who's looking for the apple, and he's saying, if I were an apple, where would I be? <laughs> <laughs> so Jay is in bed, tossing and turning. He reaches over and turns on the light, and the apple is there, and he says this. Hello, Jay. Hello. Apple? You may call me Death. I'll see you, Apple. I will kill you tonight <laughs> and eat your soul. 
Okay. But not before I kill you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow I guess uh, Jay uh, manages to convince himself that that whole thing was a dream. Yeah. Ed is still eating his fruit, and the apple actually ends up replacing the one that Ed had that he said he was going to eat after his banana. Right, right. Uh, he bites into it and throws it away, and then the apple comes back and throws itself at Ed's head. <laughs> <laughs> so Jay uh, comes down and notices what's happening here, right? And basically starts warning Ed that the apple is evil. He, he says that he's rotten to the core and yeah. that you should keep your eyes peeled. No pun intended. Uh, yeah, no, that, uh, I think the puns were totally intended <laughs> and, and were fucking great. Jay runs into the uh, the kitchen to grab a knife, but can't find one and grabs a spatula instead. There's, com- there's a great line here. He goes, he where he decides to kill the apple and the, and uh, and, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Not Jay, the other one, Eddie. Eddie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> says to him, "Well, how how do you kill an apple?" And he goes, "By putting a big enough hole in it." <laughs> so he comes out with the spatula, and Ed is dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and- <laughs> He does the classic screaming no <laughs> into the sky, which the Russian guy, who somehow has managed to wander into their neighborhood, he hears him scream, um, and they, the Russian guy ends up coming to the house right. <laughs> to look for the apple. Um, and he actually, uh, the Russian guy comes in and he actually explains something of what's going on. Apparently, yeah, we get a little bit, a little bit of exposition. Here. Apparently, for some reason, uh, it looks like a regular apple, but it can a replicate itself and b it it, it drinks human blood. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a really weirdly edited part because they're having the discussion, and suddenly the Russian guy turns and he has a knife in his back. And of course, we're supposed to think that. Uh, the apple put it there, but you right. really only get like a split second look at the knife in his back. It, I was really confused what was happening for a minute until I went back to watch it again. Right, right. Um, and as the Russian guy is dying, he, t- he says that the only way to stop the apple is to eat it, all of it, core, stock, all of it. You got to yeah. eat that whole apple. Uh, <laughs> and, and and then and then another just brilliant line from the uh, from the from the Russian right here. But but what if it multiplies? I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> that line made me laugh so hard. Like, because there were actually a couple of uh, customers in the shop w- while I was watching this, and that line made me laugh so hard that, like, er- like all three of them stopped and looked at me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just watching something that made me laugh. Uh, I feel like we probably shouldn't spoil the rest of this one. No, no, we absolutely should not. No, because yeah. this, this one, look, I, I feel like this is a very satisfying segment because it has absolutely. a beginning and a middle and an end. It even has like a stinger at the end to make it even more because, you know, it's supposed to be its own short. Right. Um, now, we haven't really talked about, Mo, the kind of the technical specs of most of this. It's all very serviceable. Right. It's it's very low budget. Obviously, there isn't. There's almost no moving camera in the entire goddamn thing. The sound is inconsistent. You heard some of that in the clips on the the condom one before. Some there's, of the sound oh is pretty my bad. God. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about sound? We'll we'll get to that one in a second. Yeah. But but you know, overall, so far, it's all been very watchable. Okay? Right. 
So, and in fact, I would say that the movie as a whole up to this point has been pretty, I mean, we've been very complimentary. Yeah. And it's been pretty watchable. Right. And this was the point where you, Mo, <laughs> messaged me on Facebook and you said, I think I just watched the Apple one or just finished watching the Apple one. Yeah. And I said, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, it's, it, I mean, as is usually the case, we're having a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, right. But, but. I feel like the movie has now peaked and everything that's about to happen is not nearly as pleasant. No. Let's move on with it. Mm-hmm. So that we go back to the hobo who stomps on the apple <laughs> and he starts um, uh, walking around the room. Some music plays. It's like a montage of time passing. We see Mindy. Remember Mindy from the first segment played by uh, Claire Llewellyn? I do. We see her going back to her house. The, the, the one that she lived in And when she gets there A cop actually opens the door One of the cops The good, the, the better uh, Nicer of the two cops That we met earlier And he pulls her inside And we find out there That his name is Bobby um, And uh, And he tells Mindy That they've caught The person who killed her husband And that They have uh, That they have him In their secret place He accidentally tells her Where the secret place is <laughs> Somehow <laughs> Um and then it cuts to the cops arriving back at the secret location, and they also have the female DA, the lawyer from earlier, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she immediately makes them like give the hobo uh, a donut, and uh, and uh, because of course you know he's a cop, of course he has a donut. You know. We also learn the hobo's name at this point. Oh remember? yeah, it's Bo. Yeah, his name is Bo. He's a hobo Bo. <laughs> and uh, so basically she's kind of like treating him with a little bit more compassion because she's an alien. Um, and <laughs> so when she starts asking him a few questions, um, he actually says that it was the girl who hit him with the frying pan and that she was the one who was responsible. And Bobby says for a second that his Mindy wouldn't do that, which suggests that they have some sort of deeper relationship that which, never gets explored. Yeah, I was going to say, which was never mentioned earlier and never gets explored after so all right so uh he starts my, my note on this point right now says this wraparound is getting dumb yeah this one is this one part gets pretty lame so yeah. the, the the gist is that the woman uh tells the two cops to get him food to get the hobo some food i actually really really kind of got a kick out of this one because it's like the the hobo starts to zone out again he starts to do that convulsing <laughs> thing and so i'm here i am thinking we're going to go into the next segment and then loop <laughs> right, right back into it again i'm like all right all right good fake out <laughs> so they pull him outside and right. they dig in the trash to find something for him to eat and they find some old chinese food Right, they find an old takeaway container. Takeaway container, that's right. And he eats some of it, and he immediately starts to freak out and convulse. And that leads into our next segment. Mm-hmm. The next segment is The Hungry Ghost, directed by Tanya Atomic, friend of the show, Tanya Atomic. Uh, and this segment is, I would say that in terms of plot, or at least the concept behind the plot, it might be the most complex of all of them. Right. Because it's based on the audience not understanding what is going on until until the end of it. Right. Uh, but I will say that this is a really hard-to-watch segment. Right. Y- yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's not the the worst of them, I don't think. No. But, uh, but I mean, 
the problem is like at this point there's two segments left right and both of them are are not particularly great you know uh, for their own reasons, uh, at least this is the better of the two. Yes, well, I mean, yes. So, so there's two segments and the end of the wraparound to go. the The idea, okay, you know, my, my, I was gonna say my my biggest complaint with this one is there is some really really rough audio. Yes, that gets almost painful at at moments. And, and the acting, the acting is really really bad here too. Really poor, yeah. Uh, and like noticeably, which is weird because the rest of the movie has amateur acting all the way through. Right, right. And some of it is particularly not good, but here it just seems like everybody has never been in front of a camera before. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little it's it's rough. And it also it's not helped by the fact that it starts with a guy walking around saying I'm so hungry right. again and again and again till I just wanted to turn this fucking thing off and watch <laughs> the rest of it. And yeah. I know that's kind of the point. The idea right, right. is that like this is, the, you know, it, we're supposed to at first at least think that he's, I guess, some sort of vagrant. He's looking in the window of like Chinese restaurants and he's just talking about how he's hungry over and over again. He even sees a guy with a, a guy eating something. He like reaches over to try to take it out of his hand. Uh, but he just says it over and over to the point where, oh, man, it was... I was like, something, please happen. <laughs> <laughs> Anything except this fucking guy. Um, so then we, we get other characters. They're sitting around a table playing poker. So uh, there's four people sitting around the table... Uh, we don't really get a sense of who they are individually, but that will play into the end of it. And uh, we discover that they're in, I guess, like the back room of a Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. And the the dude, the guy who was so hungry, comes in and uh, guess what he says, Mo? I'm going to assume it has something to do with being hungry. True. I'm so hungry. I'm sorry we are closed for a very special meeting. I'm so hungry. Okay, listen. I'm gonna get you some food to go. I'll get you some ramen noodles right now. Okay. <laughs> so. So back at the poker game, um, one of the characters, and in fact, Tanya Atomic is one of the uh, one of the actors uh, in this segment. Yeah. She has lost a hand but refuses to hand over what she's lost. Right. And in a response to that, because she's uh, she's not willing to, um, to, to pass over what this is, she gets stabbed in the hand with a chopstick. Mm-hmm. Does not look very good. No. Then, for some reason, uh, she goes out to the front, the front area. Right. Where the hoodie guy, the guy that, that who's so hungry, he's out there, and he immediately sucks the blood from her hand. Then she pushes him, and then he she just collapses. I didn't realize what this was supposed to be. It took it took me a second. Actually, I didn't realize me... till the end of the the whole segment what was. Yeah, to be. yeah. Well, it, it took actually it took me more than a second to realize because I'm like, because at first I'm like, okay, so did he 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 knocks off her wig? That's what I said. I yeah. thought that it was just like her wig was was knocked off. Right. Right. But the idea is that she was actually got her head punched off. Right. But exactly. It's very difficult to tell that that's what's happening. It's yeah. This this whole segment, like the like basically like the rest of 
<laughs> of this. Like, I'm just like, like, like the reactions, it was almost things esque, you know, where like the reactions to what was going on were completely like, just seemed completely wrong to, to what the, was happening. I will say the thing I liked most about this segment is that it realized that it was an exploitation movie. So it doubled down on the amounts of violence. Now the, sure. the, the gore doesn't look good, right. but you know, it's plentiful, which in these kind of movies, at least there's something on the screen happening. Right? Exactly. But, but the, the, like, I think the, the ultimate issue with it is that it didn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah. The execution is really bad. So, yeah. uh, so after her head gets knocked off, the other woman comes out and, mm-hmm. uh, she actually doesn't seem too bothered by the fact that there's a murder going on. And that's, and that was my point. Exactly. It's like here, here we have this guy you know, who just knocked a woman's head off. Then another person comes out with no reaction to the fact that now there's this headless person there. I mean, that is by design, though. We we don't discover that till no, later. yeah, exactly. But that's the problem is that while it's happening, it makes no fucking sense. You know, it's not until after the fact that we realize that something different, like something else, is going on. And so then he, the the hungry guy, takes a uh, some chopsticks and jams it into the woman's eye. Pulls out her eyeball and eats it. Right. And I mean, hey, it's it's at least it's something, right? Mm-hmm. Now, going back to what you just said, Mo, and he, like he rips a dude's heart out, and he rips a guy's heart out. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't want to talk about this anymore because that's it's leading right up to the end of it, and the twist is is the point of the whole thing. Sure. But the fact is, the title of the segment gives away the twist. That's true. So it's that's frustrating as well. Uh, well, I had. I, mean, I guess the one thing that they got going for it is like in like in the opening credits. Does it say the titles of the of the shorts? No, no, it doesn't. So, right, so, uh, so it's there's for most audiences they wouldn't know until the closing credits at the earliest. Anyway, right. well, except for the fact that you yeah. said the title of it at the beginning of of this segment. Well, the thing is, if you had the box, I guess it might have. Yeah, it on I guess it. I maybe. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like the title of the segment is fair game. Yeah, good enough. I'm I'm just gonna say that. Right. Maybe I'll bleep it out with the. Uh, I don't think it's going to necessarily affect your enjoyment one way or the other I do have to say I had difficulty with this segment yeah, well, I mean, basically the rest of the film. It's very short. Like, this one is only a few minutes long, but... That that was, honestly, that was the saving grace for it, is that this one and the last segment are so fucking short that, like, that like it, they're almost forgivable. Almost. So, this segment ends. We go back to the wraparound segment. The hobo's actually still convulsing, and the cops take him inside. Right. Then something really fucking weird happens. So, there's a woman in a shower, and... She's like in silhouette, so this is as close to nudity that the movie gives us. Right, right. Uh, who knows if it's actually the same person who actually, <laughs> who actually then answers the phone. In fact, I'm going to suspect that it's not because no, it's probably just an After Effects thing put on the on the shower curtain. Ah, maybe, but who cares? It doesn't matter. The phone rings, and the woman reaches out of the shower and picks up a full corded rotary rotary phone. phone. Yeah, I'm like in that's... her fucking bathroom. I'm like that's kind of awesome. <laughs> Um, so it's actually the chief of police, Chief Bullock from earlier, the guy who says that it was nectar of the gods, uh, and, and talking to her. It's actually the DA is in the shower, so it's mm-hmm. the uh, the chief is talking to the DA. Apparently, the public are up in arms about this fucking hobo murdering right. this dude, and they want to see him fry. Uh, which, which would have been great had they actually showed that. Yeah. Out. Right. Yeah. Or there'd be any indication of why that would I mean, be the case. Honest, honestly, there could have been 
like a 15 second montage of a couple of people looking at a news, uh, like a shitty fake newspaper going, Oh, this hobo, you know? And I would think his, his part of his defense would be, they took me to a location in the middle of nowhere and tortured me for days. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But not, not in Obama's uh, America. (laughs) They're going to take our guns. Uh, so, they're having this conversation. Uh, the DA mentions that she thinks that she can squash his insanity plea, which would suggest that he's had some kind of contact with a lawyer, which, which, all, which, which is all very confusing. Yeah. We then cut to Mindy, and Mindy has decided that she's actually going to help this hobo get free. So she has a very interesting plan, <laughs> which I still don't entirely understand. No. Where she finds a window to the place, because remember the, the cop earlier accidentally told her where it was. Right. And she has a wire hanger. I don't think it's a window. I think it's like a dryer vent. Okay, like a dryer vent. You're right. It looks yeah. much more like a dryer vent. Yeah. And she pushes this um, hanger through the dryer vent. And he, I guess she wants to give him this so he can jimmy open something. Right. but well, like, like there's nothing in there that he could use to jimmy open fucking something? On top of the fact that wouldn't it have just been easier to kick the door in You're right outside. Absolutely, you would think, right? <laughs> I guess. So he uh, he grabs for the hanger. Also, and- I should mention that uh, that the, the there doesn't. I mean, this just appears to be like the basement of a house. <laughs> so what exactly is stopping him from just turning the lock? And leaving, you know, like it doesn't. Oh, like- you don't know. They they lock it from the outside. They've they've set that up, Mo. Uh, they did not. So he grabs for the hanger, immediately flips out, leading into our last segment. Yes. Let me make a statement. Whew. This final segment, is- Doctor Hanger by Vincent Marshall, is probably the worst segment I've seen in any anthology film ever. It's brutal. It's unwatchably horrible. Yeah. It stops the film completely cold. Yeah. It is tonally different than all the rest of them and not in an interesting way. Or it, good. Yeah. It is, it is emotionally retarded, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm not using that word in a way no, to... No, no, no. no. We, yeah, we know what you mean. But it is... Uh, it's offensive, but I don't mean offensive in a way like, oh my god, I was offended by it. Right. It's offensive because they thought that it was something that they should have done. Right. It is so fucking horrible that I'm talking, and I know that some of the creators of this are listening right now, so I'm going to tell you, if you're smart, you should cut this out of your movie. Yeah. It doesn't need to be there. It's easily, you can easily work around this. It ends your movie on a shit stain of a segment. It really does. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly... It's. I mean, thank goodness it was the last one, just because... Now, people are going to think two things, Mo. They're going to think we're, A, either squeamish about the fact that this is about abortion... Uh, which, which I'm not. Which we're not. Yeah. Or, two, that they're pushing our buttons, you know? I, I mean, Here's come on, thing. man. I, I watch Dumplings, and if I can get through that, then... The audience that is going to be seeing this movie yeah. are going to be a savvy audience. They're going to know a Serbian film... And they're going to be no. They're going to know the human centipede. They're going to know fucked up shit. Yeah. So you're not going to shock them with a segment about abortion. No. And when it's this lame and this badly done, it's really, really just rough. Yeah. It's really pathetic, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and I was really, really unhappy with it. So let's just explain what it is because it's super short too. Yeah. That. So- that. Like I said, that's the only saving grace. Is this entire segment is maybe five minutes long. So it starts with a woman. Uh, calling a doctor on the phone. She, you can only see her from behind. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, she's offering this doctor some sort of deal, this uh, some obscene amount of money if yeah. he'll come to a location and do some sort of procedure. Right. And she's told that, that he'll be picked up by Ray. And full discretion is it required because it has something to do with the governor's daughter. Right. Really bad sound on this part, too. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. The technical specs are fucking shit. Oof. So, Doctor agrees. Uh, they mentioned that uh, the person on the phone that this is going to be a major help to the campaign, whatever. And I, the- I so, okay, so so just jump mm-hmm. ahead. The doctor shows up. Uh, I love the fact that the doctor's dressed in fucking overalls and like one of those hippie hemp ponchos. Wearing things. like a hemp poncho, looking yeah. like a fucking university student. Yeah, it's supposed to be a doctor. When he showed up, I thought it was like a joke. Yeah, he's the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he, uh, he gives him a list of the things that he's going to need, and they ask him, "Oh, well, what what will you be using to perform the procedure?" And of course, he pulls out a coat hanger. Yeah, in fact, and then he says uh, this. In fact, like this is the this is what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, what tool are you going to use? The original. Jesus. So let's get one thing straight. There's no suggestion that the doctor is supposed to be malevolent in any way. In fact, afterwards, we find out that he's supposed to be at least somewhat sympathetic. Right. Uh, So the idea that why would he use a fucking coat hanger to do it? Why? If if he's a fucking doctor, why wouldn't he have the appropriate tools to perform the procedure? I mean, like, like, why would you have to use a fucking coat hanger? Why? Would they have to go through this at all? I mean, I right. guess. I mean, again, you know, they're defunding Planned Parenthood enough at this point. <laughs> but, but I just mean, this, the, the whole theory of this segment is that you need to explain everything to Planned Parenthood about how you got pregnant and why you want to do this. That's not how it works. It's really not. Yeah, and it's so misguided. Also, it has no idea how an abortion is actually done with a coat hanger. Right. <laughs> Basically, you don't just... Push it inside of a woman, shake it around a bit, and blood comes out. That's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, so we then cut, we, we show the procedure, which was, by the way, is just what I just said, and, except even less graphic than that would suggest. Like, like, like yeah, like here, 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 for anybody who's like video game savvy out there, uh, think of the abortion scenes from uh, South Park's The Stick of Truth game. Right, right. It's pretty much that. Something like that. Yeah. So... Uh, so it's really quick, right? It's like, so she screams, uh, and then afterward, they're just sitting in a car, the doctor and the woman he did the procedure on, and uh, he asks her whose idea it was to go through the mess, and look, I'm, conf- I'm conflicted right now, Mo. I feel like we shouldn't give away what the twist is, but the thing is, the twist is not even a twist. It's just another thing that happens. Yeah, and then it's like, and then the end. And then so, it's end. It so, just ends. So fuck it, you know. Fuck I mean, it. I'm going to give it away. Yeah. So she says that the reason she asked for an abortion daughter, a doctor uh, to come into this kind of secret <laughs> abortion location. Abortion daughter. <laughs> daughter. Uh, <laughs> is because her father raped her, and that's why she, uh, they needed a doctor to come. Even which, though, which, just for the record, was, I mean, A, like you said, it's not a twist, and you see it coming a mile away. Yeah, of course, of course. As soon as they mentioned the governor and the fact yeah. that she, it, it was either a monster baby or her father raped her. Yeah. A monster baby would have fit in with the rest of the fucking movie. Yeah, it would have been great. Uh, even if it could, still wouldn't have made used, any sense. You, you could have used one of those little, like, moglins, <laughs> you know, like hand puppets. It would have been great. <laughs> the one I have, I'll tell you, that latex is not held up over the No, year. no, my, <laughs> mine is, mine is... Like, like, did you, did you ever see those pictures of when they when they found uh, Hoggle's head? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. My my Moglin kind of looks like that now. It's pretty fucked. 
The worst thing about this segment is the idea that at the end of it, we're supposed to be like, wow. When anyone watching this is like, oh, fuck this stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, yeah, it, it's the, they set it up and like the tone of how everybody's talking is that you're supposed to have this whoa moment. Yeah, and it like, really happy. makes you think. Nope, doesn't no, make me think. Doesn't make you think at all. Well, I'll tell you, the film does have an opportunity to recover from this because we then have our final, uh, not segment, our final piece of the wraparound right. to end everything. So, um, <laughs> so the cop goes to check on the hobo, and Mindy watches him while he does this. Mm-hmm. He, the cop leaves, and she gets a key that has been hidden. Is that what happens? Yeah, she sees, like, basically what happens is the cop comes back with some food to give to the, to the, right. to Bo and uh, Mindy watches the cop. Now, why on earth they would, they would a need to hide the key. Like why, why, like, why would he just have the key? Yeah. Why wouldn't they just have the key? I understand that it's important to the plot for how she gets him out, but it makes no sense in how things are done in the real world. Um, so like, yeah, so there's like a key hidden above the door frame, which there might, she might, he might as well have just put it under the fucking welcome rug, you know, <laughs> uh, well, uh, whatever. It's important that she gets the key because obviously her, her fucking plan with the coat hanger didn't work, which by the way is another good reason you can cut it out of the fucking movie. Cause it doesn't matter. Exactly. You, yeah, um, exactly. You totally could. Yeah, exactly. You totally could cut the entire fucking segment of her giving him the coat hanger through of her. Right. Because it, it, you can cut here and she's watching the cop go to the place. Yeah. You can totally easily remove it. Exactly. Uh, okay. The so the film doesn't need to be 90 minutes. No, not not if you're not to have... me, not to mention the fact that like if you cut this entire that entire segment out plus the little bit of wraparound uh, prior to it, you, I mean you're only losing like like maybe seven minutes, maybe, maybe? seven eight minutes. It's totally still full length feature length film there. Yeah, so uh, she she gets the key. Uh, and goes inside and gets the hobo who's still shaking, by the way. Right. And she checks on him and tells him to get up. Um, and then we get a montage of her buying things for him. She just goes. She goes to a dollar store first, which I guess I supposed to be sort of like a um, a play on the, on the concept yeah. of the movie. Yeah, so she, I liked that. Yeah, me too. So they buy. I do like that, but the thing is, I had to read a review to know what the concept of the movie was. It's not yeah. written anywhere in the fucking movie. Yeah. Um. So. They uh, she like, grabs clothes from a donation center. She basically helps him shave, get some booze, which I don't know is the best fucking idea. Yeah, right. Um, and um, there's also a weird part where they're at a baseball diamond. He is. Yeah. After he's basically he cleans himself up, puts on some nice clothes, shaves, and then he's at like a baseball diamond and he picks up a baseball bat, which which makes you feel like like there's gonna be a reckoning. Right. I guess. Know? Yeah. So he's a hobo with a baseball bat. Right. Uh, and then. He just walks off with the cart and the booze, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, it ends with a wet fart. It really does, and and it's and it's and it's kind of sad too because uh, it's supposed to be somewhat kind of um, nice, I guess. Like it's supposed to be like, oh, he's going to go off into the sunset, or he's going to go get his revenge. But it doesn't give any closure to the alien story. Right, uh, and it uh, except for, and, except for the fact that they almost kind of imply that maybe he is an alien, 
Right, because there's because isn't there like something I forget what the hell happens. There's like a light or something, or and one of it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know because in my notes it says like it uh, seems like I, some, that would really not make any sense. Mo. Yeah, well that's the but that but nothing you know half of this shit doesn't make any sense. Uh, it it's it is look wraparound segments in anthologies are almost always terrible, almost I, universally bad. Yeah, it, it, the only one I like is is Asylum. Uh, I love the wraparound on that. Yeah, uh, but for the most part they're always terrible. I don't blame this movie for having a fairly unsatisfactory ending piece, but yep. the fact is, it comes after its two worst segments. Yeah, so yeah. The, it it just makes the last half hour, forty five minutes of this movie a drag. Mm-hmm. Man, it is just not fun. Uh, and then we do get a quick clip of a UFO coming down to Earth, and uh, then we get the closing credits. And but we do get a we at, get we, at least yep. we get an awesome song at the we end. We get an awesome closing credit song. Yeah, it's a good song. It's got that great 50s vibe because of the aliens, but the thing is, it doesn't really fit for the rest of the segments of the show, does it? Nope. Yeah, let's turn that off. Uh, notice anything interesting about the uh, credits, Mo? Probably, but I didn't make any notes. <laughs> that, what I said before, I did find it very annoying that the credits were all mixed together as opposed to having them separated for each segment. It Honestly, they, they owed that to the filmmakers to have it separate because it's much easier if you were watching it you're like oh I really like that I want to find out more about it but I guess you know it is 2015 you can just go to IMDB if you really want to do that there is one other funny thing hey I pay attention it does say at the very end that any resemblance to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental highly unlikely and ridiculous if you really think about it (laughs) hey comedy hey the comedic abortion sketch um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Hobo it, with a sh- The with original a, I almost said Hobo with a shotgun just then Ooh. Hobo with a trash can is a very flawed anthology film It is not bad In the sense that I think that Most people who listen to the show Could watch it and get a lot of enjoyment out yeah, of it Yeah But it is paced in a really terrible way I, Honestly you know, you know what I say I say you know Even if you pick it up and watch it through the Apple skit um, Apple segment you're You're good yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, you're going to keep watching it because I know you, you awful you people, who sick to show. bastards, you fucking pieces of garbage, fucking morons who watch hip hop logos because <laughs> just because we say not to. <laughs> but uh, but uh, look, tell us we're wrong. Hey, I'm happy. I I went out. I don't usually do this. I'm but thoroughly I... willing to accept any kind of criticism especially about doug's laugh that uh (laughs) i didn't do as much laughing on this episode no no there wasn't nearly as much that's because most of this wasn't particularly funny to be honest and uh i mean there there's some there there are definitely some good laughs in the film but nothing that enough not enough to make us like burst into uh i got one more thing to rant about yeah let's rant uh, it has to do with reviews okay reviews of low like micro budget cinema in particular so I don't usually do this, but I wanted to read some reviews for Hobo with the Trash Can, some of the ones that are out there. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we were given the screener of this for free to watch. Right. Uh, and uh, that does not affect, and it should not affect, how you write about a movie. There are some glowing reviews for this movie, and I'm not saying that a person couldn't watch this and give it a glowing review. Right. We, we gave a fairly positive one over the last two hours or so. Yeah. But ones that are so surface level, 
mm-hmm. that give no description about what you see. They don't even split it up into segments or talk about the individual segments. Yeah, yeah. Ones that just say, oh, this is a fun compilation of segments from some of your favorite no-budget directors. It's all great. It's so wonderful. It, it provides no use to anybody. Right. It's, it's not useful for a prospective uh, uh, viewer. Yeah. It's not useful for the filmmakers. It just it is a, a written hand job that I feel like doesn't need to exist. And it's, I don't mean that. You know, it's really funny that you use the phrase hand job because that's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just, I feel, I, I get really put out by that because these are the same people who are, you know, they're begging. The, the first time I got a screener, I was really excited about it. Right. And, but I knew that my responsibility as someone who's writing about film is that you, you can't use that excitement as a reason to not be critical. Right. Because what is the purpose of a, look, if your if your review is positive from top to bottom, has no criticism in it at all, then the movie you're writing about better be the best fucking movie that anyone's ever seen. Right. And I don't think anyone, not even the people involved with this, would suggest that was the case. Right. So what is the purpose? And there's a lot of, I mean, I know everyone has a blog these days. Anyone can write a review. I just feel like it's kind of pathetic. I know I already re- used that word to describe that abortion segment, but both of those <laughs> things are pathetic. To me. Well, I mean, you know, you can use the same word to describe multiple things. It's fine. Especially if they're both pathetic. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So this uh, movie left me with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, Mo, I have to say. Well, I mean, it ends on such a sour note, but I mean, if you sit down and you just think about like those first few, few the funny seg- things, they're more good segments than bad. Yeah. They're, yeah. And, and that's, and honestly, that's super rare in, in anthology films. All right. Let's rank them. Let us rank them. Mo, let's see uh, yours from, uh, from, I don't know if you have them in front of you, the titles. I'm going to suggest that you probably don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't, but I have, uh, I a have the, the director. No, I have the, the list of each, each oh, okay. segment, but I have them done in, um, uh, just by director. Let's remove Welcome to Retroville, which is the segment, they're kind of the wraparound segment because yeah. it's hard to judge that. Let's just say the actual individual pieces, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, list them from top to bottom. From Oh, so you want to start with the best? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, that one's easy. The Apple skit is is head and shoulders above the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, it, even with my confusion at the beginning, it's still just, it's very much like an A+. I thought it was like bizarre and brilliant, uh, a, a little confusing, but just absolutely fucking hilarious. Maybe maybe only confusing for you. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah, exactly. Maybe only confusing for me. And even in that confusion, I still ultimately thought it was fucking great. So, you know, I mean, whatever. So that, so that would be, yeah, the Apple one would definitely be my, uh, my number one. Okay, you want to just keep on going right oh, down the list? Absolutely. Okay, so number two for me is uh, Stephen Granger's the uh, the bag one. Grab bag. Uh, uh, yeah, grab bag. I thought it was uh, simple and short, and uh, you know, and just worked really well for uh, for a horror compilation like an anthology film. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought that uh, Mike Roca did a great fucking job as the uh, you know as the Torgo esque. Uh, bag master, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, I wanted to hate it, but I thought it was really great. <laughs> uh, next after that would probably be the um, the condom one. Okay. Uh, I, th- I, I, I really enjoyed it. I had some real genuine laughs in there, and I thought the twist was perfectly ridiculous. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Then the... Um, I forget what it's fucking called, but frying sauce. Yeah, yeah, fry, yeah, you knew exactly which one I was going for. That. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought it was okay. I gave it a C. 
Um, I thought it was okay, but I thought it was a little too long and kind of slow. Right. And then, uh, then, then you'd have, uh, Tanya's, um, which, you know, which is, well, we already talked about it, but, uh, yeah. So that, then some detail. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, then Tanya's and then, uh, and then the last one. Uh, mine, my rankings would be exactly the same as yours. Uh, the only difference might be that I might put uh, the condom one and grab bag. I'd probably put them at ex- right about the same level as my second. Yeah. Um, but uh, everything else is listed exactly the same. And I think that was pretty clear from watching it. The thing about this movie is that the good segments are clearly the good segments. Right. The bad segments are clearly the bad segments. So I don't think I, – I can't imagine anyone watching that, watching this and not seeing that. Uh, but, uh, but I'm sure – there are going to be listeners out there who are going to tell us differently, and, and we are very happy to hear your response to this. Yeah, but honestly, like you were saying, how you would have the condom and the grab bag one be beyond par. The difference between me, it's it's literally the difference between an A minus and a B plus. Sure, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, the first half of this movie very worthwhile. The rest of it, I can't say as much. Right. But that's it. That's all we have to say about Hobo with the trash can. Take it or leave it. I imagine. We're going to get some response on this one. <laughs> yeah, I suspect we will. I mean, and that's fine. You know, we, we're open to... to oh, we're the, open to criticism. Yeah, we're open to any kind of criticism. We're open to any kind of uh, additional information. Like, we love that shit. So that's that's totally fine. Mo, what are we going to be talking about on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares? And in fact, we should mention right here, this will be our final episode of 2015. Exactly. Next episode. So we needed to do something special both to recover from that fucking hanger segment, <laughs> uh, but also as a reward for ourselves for another great year of No Budget Nightmares episodes. Yeah, and what, have, what, our... what have we been doing this for, like 15 years now? Yeah, it feels like that. <laughs> it really does <laughs> I remember back in 1990 when we first started <laughs> No Budget Nightmares. I was, a, I was a 10-year-old boy full of hopes and dreams. No. Frankly... The movie that we're going to cover is one that I don't think anyone has ever requested that we do. Yeah, and that's not entirely all that surprising because normally when people think about this director, they don't really think about, you know, I mean, well, maybe this audience does, but uh, I think the majority of the people out there don't really think about his his super low budget early stuff. But we're going to be talking about Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Yes, Bad Taste uh, from 1987, I think, even though it was uh, in production for quite a while. Yeah. Peter Jackson's first film, you know, for those who have been sticking with No Budget Nightmares for a long time, you know that we do occasionally hit the bigger names like Necromantic and, I mean, even things like Cannibal Campout and and Blood Cult, movies that have kind of more of a profile but still would fit very comfortably within the no-budget realm. Right, And, and even like what we talked about earlier, like with The Dead Next Door, you know? And for those who haven't seen Bad Taste, I would strongly recommend oh, that yeah. you, you seek it out because it is fucking great. Yeah, this is going also- to be a total fluff piece for us. We're, we're but like- also, it's also a celebration of the attitude which makes low-budget filmmaking so exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, and even though, it again, it is a little bit more polished and a little bit more... Um, Not that much a, more polished. A little bit more of a movie yeah. compared to a lot of, of what we cover on this show, I feel like it fits, and I feel like it's uh, it we you know we're good enough, we're smart enough, we deserve to watch bad. Time. Gosh darn it, people like us. <laughs> some people like us. Some, some people <laughs> hate us. Less people like us after this show. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, where can people find us on the internet? Oh well, that's easy. They can go right to Facebook and find us at www.facebook.com. 
uh, on. Huh? What's that? Oh my god, my brain! Uh, just go to fucking Facebook and search "No Budget Nightmares." We're right. You'll find it if you look it up online. You will find lots of stuff about No Budget yeah. Nightmares, including our website over at nobudgetpodcast.com, where you can find all our archived episodes and subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever. Uh, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. That is always helpful. For us, you can also find both Mo and myself on the Twitter. Mo is at drunk on VHS, all one word, and I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. Oh, I didn't uh, do it this time. Oh shit! It's <laughs> perfectly okay. Uh, Mo, you, Mo also has a great video series. If you're interested in the art of vaping, you will love his Strange Vapes video series that you can find on YouTube. Uh, what's the best way for them to find that on there, Mo? Just go to YouTube, search Strange Vapes. Strange Vapes yeah. is also at Strange Vapes on Twitter, which I'm sure Mo barely ever. I, I've 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 done like two updates to it ever. So <laughs> uh, you can find my writing over at DailyGrindhouse.com. Uh, you can also find my other podcast over at EricRobertsIsTheMan.com, my Eric Roberts-related podcast, which had a brief... I was going to say, which was feature, featured recently. Uh... <laughs> they uh, Featured in my hometown uh, blog-style <laughs> thing. They did an interview with me about my idiotic fucking podcast, and that's okay. Not, Mo, with, with Mo, not a single no-budget nightmares reference. Mo... Mo Absolutely rightfully mentioned that I did not mention No Budget Nightmares in that interview, uh, which, again, was not about No Budget Nightmares. But uh, one hand one hand helps the other. One back scratches the other. Uh-huh. It, it all, all roads lead to No Budget Nightmares. Uh, but you can definitely check that out at ericrobertsisthemancom or check it out at E-R-I-T-F-M over on Twitter. Mo, have you watched anything interesting recently? Uh, I mean, I've been watching a lot more TV than anything else. Um uh caught myself up on the uh the second season of fargo which is just amazing i mean i love the first season i i was i'm waiting for the second season to end before i catch up on it yeah but that cast is so fucking good looking i i really can't wait it's so good it's oh man i can't even begin um yeah i don't think i watched anything in particular uh, anything particularly interesting i mean for halloween i did a uh i did a werewolf night uh because anybody who knows me knows that my my two big uh, film loves are werewolves and Gamera, so <laughs> so I decided to go with the with the werewolf nights. So I watched uh, the Wolfman, um, which had been so long, I forgot how fucking good it is. Uh, I watched uh, Dog. It's so- short, eh? Yeah, that's it's- what I always remember watching. It's like it moves so quickly. It's so fast, and it's like so well done, and it's so like stylistic. Oh, it's I love it. Um, and I watched uh, American Werewolf in London, and, oh, yeah. and I watched Dog Soldiers, um, and then I grabbed myself copies of um, yeah, The Company of Wolves, nice, and which I hadn't watched yet. But Man, I mean, I'll I, tell you, when I, I was a kid, that VHS it. cover for The Company of Wolves freaked me out so oh, badly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and The Howling. So, so I mean, I that, had I that had, cover too, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The Howling cover is great. Um, so, I mean, I, I, like I said, I've been watching almost entirely nothing but like television and I realized that I deleted a whole bunch of movies out of my, my movie folder. So I really don't remember any other, anything else that I watched, (laughs) but I know I've watched a lot of stuff and most of it was okay. Uh, I'm not going to belay the point, but I, I did watch a, a few James Bond movies recently, just catching up. Uh, in preparation for eventually, hopefully, seeing Spectre, mm-hmm. I uh, I did see, I watched Doctor No and From Russia with Love, which ooh, I ooh. again I I love those early Sean Connery uh, James Bonds, but that that should be interesting to almost nobody. Uh, <laughs> I did because I'm preparing. I'm going to be on the uh, the podcast under the stairs uh, soon to continue uh, every once in a while 
uh, Jeff X. Martin and Duncan and myself, we cover three Lucio Fulci movies at a time. Um, and we're doing right now the end of his career. So we're doing, um, I, I just watched The House of Clocks, um, which is one of his very final films. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I watched, um, was it Demonia uh, today? Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> Fulci is not for everyone anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Him near the end of his career with declining skills and interest, that, that, some of that can be a little difficult. I, I can it only is, imagine. It is, it, you know, we'll I'll, we'll go we'll get into it on that show, but uh, uh, you have to pick and choose the things to enjoy in a lot of those movies. Yeah, I mean that's how it goes. Whatever. That is how it goes. I also watched that uh, Aziz Ansari show, Master of None. On oh Netflix, yeah, how's that? Amazing. It's so good. It's really fucking good. Oh yeah. And and as we're recording this, Jessica Jones, the new Marvel series, has just debuted on Netflix as well, and uh, all. Uh, all uh, reviews have been really good for that, and the new and the new Mister Show. Well, oh my God, David, <laughs> so, everything all right? No, I'm just I, I was uh, I I was uh, just exclaiming because it's. I mean, it seems like we're like we're sucking off Netflix right now, but seriously, like the last month, it's been nothing but amazing it, stuff. It really has been, and like, yeah, I, I I mean, I and I've only watched the first few episodes of the uh, the with Bob and David, but still. there's only. There's only four episodes. Yeah, but I'm I've watched two of them. But uh, they're they're so good. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good time to be having a, a little Netflix. But uh, but that's been pretty much it, and I guess that pretty much is it for this episode of No Budget Nightmares. Uh, when we finish speaking in just a moment, Rue has a brand new hobo with a trash can themed song, yes. and Mo and Rue has also promised us, by the way. That he's working on a few uh, songs for classic No Budget Nightmares episodes. In fact, there was a poll on the uh, Facebook page, <laughs> which was stuffed by Mo and myself. <laughs> uh, and in fact, we can, I guess, announce what won that poll, where uh, Aru is going to have to write songs about both hip hop locos. I, yep, yep, yep. And. And terror tunes. And terror tunes. So uh, I, I even commented it. I said, that, "I said this poll's closed. You're you're, <laughs> you're doing hip hop locos and terror tunes, Tony." <laughs> but but actually, I think even funnier though was uh, was you put up that poll because because I forget who it was. Somebody had made, mocked up some T-shirts of like I'm with Doug or I'm with Mo. Right. So everyone had to say so, if they preferred one or the other. Yeah, which, which I thought was just genius and hilarious. And of course, you know, in typical fashion, you said you'd wear the Mo one, and of course, I'm like, I would do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, and then you put up the poll of of who do you like better, Mo or Doug? And then we both lost to Hip Hop Locos and Rue. <laughs> Oh man! If that doesn't just define what nobody knows about, people, I feel like people listen to this show despite us instead of because of us. <laughs> well, even though we are the most hated element of our own show, uh, let us let us introduce one of the more beloved elements. Here's Rue with his latest amazing no budget nightmare song. Good night, everybody. Good night. Living ain't easy, your stomach is empty Your future relies on the city's debris I'm telling you truly that all of this cruelty Will come to an end, so believe You go through the trash cans, they call you a madman You 
that you know the truth Though it's hard to accept The trash that you view Tells its story to you It projects all the past Of the cast-out object But it's alright Yes, it's alright The world's about to change Cause it's alright, yes it's alright Though the methods can be strange First there's the pan that had just killed a man Who was trying to conquer us for his alien race And then came the man with the paper bag master He lured in the people to feed the bag's face But it's alright Yes, it's alright Your chance is soon to come Yes, it's alright Yes, it's alright A new person you'll become Next was the ex whose revenge was with sex And the apple who might destroy all humankind A man who's so hungry he'd eat a whole family The trash told its story to you in your mind It's alright, you can sleep tight You'll be with your stuff again You'll be alright, yes you're alright The hobo with the trash can Cause it's alright, yes it's alright A shave, new clothes and then You are alright, you are alright A hobo with the trash can